This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Yo, what's up with this, man? This ain't Frank Morano. That ain't my theme music. Come on. You got to play The Other Side of Midnight. What's wrong with you? The one done by David Crosby, personally for me, from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Hey, play this. Come on. Hey, what does he think? He's Mariano Rivera coming in from the bullpen? Oh, I remember Coney had a perfect game going, and they brought Mariano in in the eighth. Yeah, yeah, that perfect game. Oh, man. Crenshaw out in L.A. Oh, he had to be disappointed. They're trying to hype baseball, and they're pulling out guys who have a perfect game after seven innings. But it's not the first time that that's happened. So where's my theme song? Come on. Give it give it to me. Give it to me here. Try it on your sheet. How could you miss it? Right on the musical sheet. I know you're having a problem. Number 35, the other side of midnight. Oh, how difficult this is. See, this is uh, the Frank Morano crew. They are giving me agita. They are doing everything within their constitution. They give me a hard time. And so I have no idea why Frank Morano is out tonight, because I know he's uh, not a Catholic. Then again, he claims he's an Episcopalian. His wife was born Jewish, but she's an evangelical. Now he claims he's a Methodist. I don't know, like agnostic, an atheist. Who knows? We'll deal with that later on. But this was my theme music until they changed the name from what was the other side of midnight weekends. Fridays going into Saturdays, 12 midnight to 6. Saturdays going into Sundays, 12 midnight to 6. They changed it to... Another side of midnight, so it means I can't use this song. But this is the other side of midnight, right? So let me hear it. Sing it, David. Sing it, David Crosby. It's a professional song by David Crosby. Respect to me when I came back from the campaign just five days later. And our owner and operator, John Casamitidis, great talk show host in his own right, said, hey, you signed up for 30 years, no-cut contract. NABC stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis. By the way, we're playing musical chairs because it is Good Friday. And uh, in the morning, you're not going to hear Sid Rosenberg and Bernard McGurk right after the 5 o'clock news. No! You're going to hear John Katsimatidis teamed up with Lydia, the bad Albanian girl, Saranai. A lot of musical chairs on Good Friday, but we're going to get into all of that. We will definitely get into all of that. But I understand that this is typically the time that Frank Morano, pompous, arrogant, full of himself, pretentious, says, go ahead, ask me any question under the sun, anything. You can ask me any question, and I'll give you the answer. Well, that certainly has been true of me over the years. You can ask me anything because it's probably already been talked about or printed in the newspapers or been on TV 
or actually spoken about right here at WABC or radio stations for close to 43 years since I started the Guardian Angels on February 13th of 1979. So if you want to take advantage of that, feel free to do so. Whatever it is that's on your mind. Ask any question under the sun. Frank Morano style. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But let's quickly go to the news of the day, which is shocking because it does not include me in any way, shape, or form. Let's go to the Bible of all of talk radio. It's been put out by Michael Harrison. It's called Talkers Magazine. Each and every year, this time of year in April, are all the award shows involving talk radio and all of radio, whether it's music radio, news radio, news talk radio, all the categories are addressed at this time of year. And the leader of the pack is Michael Harrison at Talkers Magazine, who I just did an interview for yesterday about the subway shooter with everybody else in the world. And it's called the Heavy Hundred. It lists the top 100 talk show hosts and hostesses in America. Now, they could be a team like Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg in the morning, so they could be solo, uh, like, for instance, Frank Morano, right? Well, guess what? I've been in the heavy 100 for years. I'm not even mentioned. There are people, I'm looking through the heavy hundreds here. You go to Talkers Magazine, you can see all, talkersmagazine.com, you can see all the 100 listed. There are people on this list I've never heard before. What, are they up in the satellite? Are they talking into a Dixie cup connected by string? How could you not even list me in the top 100? But, oh, there he is, Frank Morano, way up there in the ratings, followed by Joe, that's right, the Jersey guy, Mr. Sinatra Piscopo. How, how does that happen? Frank Morano is mentioned way up in the list, followed immediately by Joe Piscopo. And what do you think? This is like uh, Music Man. You know, they, they just revived it on Broadway there. Who's the guy who plays Music Man? That Australian guy, right? Oh, my God. 76 trombones, right, lead the parade. So Frank Morano wants 76 trombones leading the parade because he's on Michael Harrison's Talkers Magazine, the heavy hundred list. And almost everybody else here at WABC is. Almost everybody else is. The only one who didn't make it with me is Dr. Gil Liederman. Now, I ask you how the hell did that happen? And, you know, if they, let's say they had expanded it to 110 or 120, right? I bet you that Dr. Liederman would have been up there before me. This is another slap in the face. And I can't blame anybody here at WABC. These are votes that are tabulated from across the nation. When the subway shooting took place, you know how many interviews I did with radio people that I've known all over the country, including our mothership connection here at WABC? But I dozens. Oh, Curtis. Oh, yeah, you great, great. Yeah, great. They didn't vote for me. It's like Major League Baseball, right? You vote for the All-Star game. The players get to vote. All of the talk show hosts and hostesses got a chance to vote from all across the nation. From a two-watt station in the middle of Iowa where there are more pigs than people in a little chicken coop. To the biggest news talk station in the nation here at WABC with 50,000 powerful watts of sound at this point heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, parts of Europe. 
and even in the Bermuda Triangle between Bermuda and the Bahamas. And I got nothing, not one vote. I'm looking right now at the tabulate all of my fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi friends in the radio world. Oh, you wanted me to do interviews about the subway shooter. Oh, Curtis, you're the best. Oh, I've listened to you for years. Yeah, out here in San Diego. Uh, you know, oh, out there, KABC in L.A., you've done programs. Yeah, I've done them everywhere. I didn't get one vote. Frank Morano, he's like, it's like... This is the music man, 76 trombones. He leads the parade, and right behind him, Joe, Mr. Sinatra, Piscopal. And remember, you can only hear him once during the week. He's on AM 970 the rest of the time. But once in the week for the Ramsey Mazda, Frank Sinatra show, Sundays from 6 to 8. But remember, I come on starting at 9 after Dina Martin uh, uh, spins stacks of wax of what her daddy did. Dean Martin. I can't believe it. Look, every other host here, every other hostess. Oh, my God. I'm, like, totally wobbed up. Greg Kelly, Rudy, Dominic Carter, O'Reilly. Outrageous. Excuse me? Outrageous. You're damn right. Now, that was Rita Cosby, right? Well, we must doff our berets and our caps to Rita Cosby. She was given the most prestigious award amongst all female broadcasters all across the nation. And again, voted on by her peers and the executives in the business. She has won the award as the top female hostess in the nation. And competing with her, although um, not doing all that well, not, not nearly as well as Rita Cosby, was the queen of talk radio here, as you know. Joan Hamburg, and Cindy Adams. Maybe, what do you think? Maybe if I declare myself to be a woman, right? you don't have to change your parts anatomically. The ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, will back me up. If I say I'm a female, that's it. I'm a female. Now, I could always flip the script and go back because I'm not changing my plumbing. But according to the American Civil Liberties Union, who's ready to sue anyone, if a man identifies as a woman or a woman identifies as a man, so be it. You must accept that, even though all their plumbing is of the gender they were born in. Then look at Dominic Carter. He's up for the BET Radio Award for Black Hosts. It's Dominic Carter, and it's Charlemagne de God from The Breakfast Club. Now, who knows? Maybe Dominic Carter will win that award. All these separate awards... And I get bupkis, I get ugats after 32 years in talk radio, not even a consideration. And I did an interview with Michael Harrison. He said, are you sure you have time today? I know you're being interviewed by everyone else in the business. Michael, for you, I'll give you all day. I'm figuring, hey, you know, I can gin it up, uh, get way past where I used to be, you know, on the pack, 30, 20, 10, you know, in that area. Now I'm not even... A person of any consequence in the radio business. Look at this. This is incredible. Unbelievable. Later on, we're going to discuss whether Frank Morano, who was taking the night off, I think, because they've offered a great package in Atlantic City, you know, starting with Good Friday. They know it's kind of tough to get Catholic gamblers there because they serve more than just fish and they steal your money. And you know how Frank is addicted. And plus, after he did that big spiel, yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
shoot. That's right. Roulette. Right? He loves that. He loves shooting craps. But, you know, after he did that propaganda piece talking about how New York City should not have active game gambling because it would take away from his beloved Atlantic City. Hey, who's greasing him there? The Borgata? Ocean? Which which casino is Greek? He's like the Bob the Torch Torricelli. It used to be for Trump. Every time an Indian tribe in New Jersey would claim, hey, we're entitled, according to the Bureau of uh, Indian Affairs, to qualify our tribal lands uh, to be able to house a casino. And then Bob, the torch Torricelli congressman at that time, you know, from uh, uh, Bergen County, was, rah, 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 you're no Indian. This guy is like uh, guarding a tomato patch somewhere in uh, central New Jersey like the Godfather did before he dropped dead. Hey, you did a good job, Torch. So Frank Morano has decided he's going to take the job of Bob the Torch Torricelli. Oh, disgraziata. And he's going to shield for Atlantic City. So he attacked viciously New York City's desire to get gaming casinos. Not the Racino in uh, Aqueduct or the Racino in Yonkers. You know, they want to be full casinos. And then room for one other casino. Now, they wanted to put it on the roof of sacks only for the uh, heavy hitters, the the real heavy rollers, the whales. But I would disagree with that. But, I mean, hey, Frank Schilling. And then, look, he gets a three-day extravaganza, all bills paid for him, Rachel, and Carmine. And there's a uh, eau de pair. You know, they flew in one of these French women to take care of Carmine. While Frank and Rachel were enjoying themselves, free chips, free gambling on the floor of the Borgata because he's shilled for them. Wow. Is this what they do on Good Friday? Or Rachel, I don't know if she's Jewish or evangelical. I assume she was born a Jew. Passover, Frank, he was born a Roman Catholic, although you'd never know it. Says he's an Episcopalian, although now you would never know it because he, he says he's a Methodist now. He wants to be just like Hillary Rodham Clinton and Bush 43. Have you ever gone over to a Methodist or Presbyterian's home for like an Easter dinner? Forget about it. You get like one slice maybe of roast beef. You get the green moldy jello. You get some string beans and no seconds. Don't ask for any seconds from Methodists or Presbyterians because... They've been told to be very austere, to be very frugal. I call it being cheap. If you happen to have been born into an Italian family or Jewish family, could you imagine the booby or the Zeta or grandma not giving you seconds, thirds, or fourths, and a doggy bag to go home with? Not the Methodists or the Presbyterians. Hey, you know, here, you get four string beans, four string beans, two asparagus tips. You get one thin slice of roast beef and that green moldy jello that comes in a mold. Oh, yeah. And apparently that's what Frank wants to be right now. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And as I've been told by the sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys, the crew of Frank Morano here, and we have to do the question of the week. You get to ask me any question under the sun. It's got to be exactly like Frank Morano does. Plus, that ripoff contest, uh, what, $1,000 you win if you answer 10 moronic questions. I heard it the other morning 
all of a sudden, Frank uh, is talking to this guy from Cleveland. He goes, you know, Curtis calls Cleveland that mistake by the lake. And the guy agreed. He said, Curtis is absolutely right, which stunned Frank. And then he robbed him. He had the third answer correctly. And Frank immediately cut him off and said, oh, we're going to send you some tchotchke. Yeah, probably six months from now. Probably send it on a barge through Lake Erie. Eventually, it would get into the Great Lakes and maybe, just maybe, Lake Erie. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And, of course, we're going to talk about the Looney Kazuni from parts that we know. Frank James, not part of the James Brothers. A guy who looked like he was a cast character of the village people. Did you see him there with his construction hat, his vest on? I said, oh, that's one of the village people. And then none of the cameras worked in any of the stations. Oh, we had an internet problem. You go up to Jose's bodega. He's four days from Santo Domingo, a third world country. He's got cameras that work. But the MTA, the money-taking agency that plunders billions of dollars. By the way, who got the contract for those cameras, huh? Who, what contributor got the contract for those cameras? That's what I want to know. 1-800-848-9222. So, real quick. So Frank James shoots up the train after letting off the smoke bomb, runs out of the station at 25th. He goes up one stop on 25th. He runs all the way to a different station over by uh, Fort Hamilton. And then he's on the train for like the next eight to ten hours, and they can't find the guy. He's in his construction at his vest. He eventually ends up in the Lower East Side. He calls from Mickey D's, right? I'm here. I have a happy meal. They didn't believe it. You know, they thought they were being faked out. Psych, it's not me, you know. So they figured, hey, you know, we're on a lunch break. So then probably Sergeant uh, Sergeant Joe Friday said, you know, maybe we ought to check that out. 20 minutes later, they show up there at Mickey D's. He had had two happy meals, and he decided, they're coming from me. I'm leaving. He's walking down the block, and then Zach, the Syrian, that's him! That's him! Allah! Allah Akbar! That's him! And now they don't want to give Zach the $50,000 reward money. So, oh, no, he, he called into our tip line. He told us he was at the Mickey D's. Did you cops find him? No. He's riding on the subway all night looking like one of the village people with his construction hat and his yellow vest. And by the way, even the uh, New York Times gave credit to my kumbari chich, Rudy Giuliani. By the way, you got to watch this on WABCRadio.tv. WABCRadio.tv. They finally have put me up on the silver screen. They never do it for any of my other shows. No, not for another side of midnight on the weekends. Not for me and Wiener. Not for me and Chris Hahn. Never. Manganood. Never. Now they have to. And what does it say? It says, the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. What a bunch of schmucks and putts. Do I look like Frank Morano? First of all, look at how I'm talking with my hands. Look at how I'm talking with my hands, right? Like a real Italian stallion. Frank Morano, he's sedate, he's subdued, he wears a sweater. You know, he's like, Frank Morano, yeah. For $1,000, you get 10 of these idiotic questions right. Hey, hey, by the way, uh, you know, Curtis says uh, that's the mistake uh, by the late Cleveland. Oh, he's right about that. Oh, man, was Frank Morano shocked. 
trying to turn the callers against me. And it doesn't work. Oh, I digress. So my Kumbani teach Rudy Giuliani, the day of the shooting, gives out the Arizona license plate number of the U-Haul van that they were looking for. It just so happens that a person was having a cup, cup of coffee right there on King's Highway and West 4th Street. He says, oh, Hashem, my God, look, it's the van. It's the Arizona plates. He calls 911. Now, did Eric Adams give any credit to the greatest mayor we've ever had in our lifetime who kept the crime down, by the way? Rudy Giuliani, nothing. Hell no. But the New York Times, they had to give credit to my Kumbari Chief Rudy Giuliani. Boy, that's that's two times in a month they actually finally acknowledge. Yeah, that was uh, that was Hunter Biden's laptop <laughs> like a year later. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. So Rudy's on a roll with them. But did he get credit anywhere else? Did Eric Adams... As he is in quarantine, you know, somewhere in New York City. Did he give credit to the greatest mayor of our lifetime for actually giving the information that led to the capture? Oh, by the way, I'm looking at Eric Adams. You're all smiling. Where's your mask? You have COVID-19. You should have a picture with a mask on. Now I may get COVID. You know, I haven't gotten COVID. March 20 uh, of 2020, right? I had no gloves on, no mask, no schmata. Walking out there, helping emotionally disturbed, helping homeless people. Oh, you're going to get COVID. You're going to get I never got COVID. You know why? Because I took rubbing alcohol each day on the tips of my pinkies, and I put it in my big schnoz, and I rub it up there like the barrels of a shotgun. And that's what kills the virus before it even reaches my septum. Now, a lot of people say, hey, that's whacked. Hey, I should have had COVID like, like four times over. I haven't had it. Almost everybody else has had it. But look, if you're going to put a picture up of Mayor Eric Adams, please put up a picture of him with a mask on. Because for this, I may get COVID-19. He went to that gridiron dinner in Washington, D.C. on a Saturday night. He's been here in the city, every club, schwitzing everywhere to the wee hours of the morning. He never got COVID-19. He goes to D.C. with all those Democrats at the gridiron dinner. Boom, instant COVID-19. Or maybe the worst week of his life with everything falling apart in the city. You know, I had to be killing him to be stuck wherever he was stuck, wherever they set up that placebo background. I have no idea. Look, look like Fort Lee to me, you know. How do we know it wasn't Fort Lee, right? They put up the city flag. They put up the American flag. Uh, it looked very official. How do we know that's not Fort Lee? All right, let the guy convalesce. Let him convalesce. It's good he didn't get a bad case of COVID-19. But, boy, can you ever imagine how he hated the fact that he couldn't be out there, you know, blinded by the light with all those cameras right there at 36th Street and 4th Avenue at the R&D station where that shooting took place. And, by the way, they ended up charging... Frank James, federal crime, Eastern District, an act of terrorism because he did it on mass transit. Excuse me, Colin Ferguson, another black guy, he did it on the Long Island Railroad, 1993. He not only shot and killed six white people, he shot and injured 16 others. 
Remember? And then Kubian Kunstler represented him and said, yeah, we'll give you the black rage defense, Colin. We'll claim that you're out of your mind. He said, no, I'm not out of my mind. I know what I was doing, shooting white people. Although, to be honest with you, somebody else shot him. I may have agreed with it, but somebody else shot him. I'm going to represent myself pro se. This was not black rage. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Right now, it's Howard calling from Rochester, New York. Believe it or not, the crime capital of New York State right now. Your turn to be heard here on the other side of midnight. Now with Frank Morano tonight, this morning. But yours truly, Curtis Lee, with Howie. Oh, I love you, Curtis. You're terrific. You're like Superman down the subways. You um, filling in for Frank. I know you guys are buddies. Uh, Frank is a tremendous host. He, you know, if you gave Frank a lounge chair and a mink uh, stroll on his shoulders, boy, he would look like a yenter out there. But um, I just love your show, Curtis. You are so funny. You are a comedian. You are very funny. And, um, um, Howie, Howie, remember, we need a good belly laugh with all this chaos in the Ukraine, the subway shooter, uh, people running away from New York, you know, all of New York State, heading to Florida, you know, to DeSantis land. We need a few laughs. And by the way, you left one thing out in your description of Frank Morado sitting there in a chair. He had to have that big fat stogie in his mouth, you know, that knockoff cigar, not that, not that Cahiba from uh, Cuba, not that Montenegro from the DR, one of these knockoff cigars, you know, one of these Philly blunts without marijuana being in there. Yeah, but when he wears the mink coat and a stroll over his shoulders, he doesn't put the cigar on. He doesn't want to mess up the lipstick when he's on King's Highway. <laughs> he, could pass, he could pass as a 60-year-old Yenta, I'm telling you. <laughs> By the way, we're going to talk later on. You think? Go, go, go. <laughs> oh, good, Steve. You got me. You got me there, Howard. That was good. That was good. Hey, Steve finally broke through to the other side. You can keep him on there, Steve. You got me. You got me, Steve. That was excellent. You see, hard work pays off. Changing your voices, changing your personality. You finally broke through to the other side. Howard slash Steve from Manhattan. You got to give credit with credit. Yeah, well, to. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, well, you know, it's easy to different name. Now, now, what are you talking in? Well, what are you talking in a tunnel? You, you killed it, Steve. Here it is. I gave you your props. Four stars, Broadway, the great white way. And he didn't know how to handle it. He was shocked. Oh, my God. I finally got through to Sliwa, who's always been able to hear, hear my voice. By the way, later on, we're going to be discussing, you think the price of gasoline, diesel is high, home heating, fuel, oil, kerosene, any petroleum products. Have you seen the price of matzo balls going into Passover? Madonna, my. And by the way, all of you uh, Jews who are observant for Passover, you can sell me your bread because you can't have bread for eight days. I'll take all the bread out there. Because you're not permitted one crumb of bread in your house. You know what's happening? The lights are dim. All of a sudden, Jews are down on their hands and knees with a feather and a spoon trying to get every little morsel of bread off the floor in advance of Passover with a candle. With a Shabbos candle. 
Meantime, what are the Goy doing? They're looking for Easter eggs in the backyard. This is their whole Easter holiday. They're looking for an egg in their backyard. By the way, in Greenwich, Connecticut, that gated community that uh, the select man stands at the exit off the New England Thruway to determine if you're of the right pedigree or not to enter Greenwich. Uh, they go rolling uh, Fabergé eggs on Sunday in the green in Greenwich. That's right. The original Czar and Tsarinos, Tsarina's Fabergé eggs. Because lifetime of the rich and famous, Robin Leach used to say, oh, Greenwich, that's right, Fabergé eggs. For the rest of you, have you seen the price of eggs lately, a dozen eggs? It's like almost costing what a Fabergé egg does. Hey, President Biden, you know what inflation is doing? It's killing people. It's Putin. 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 Price of milk. Putin. Price of eggs. Putin. Price of bread. By the way, all Jews observing Passover, you can sell me your bread for a dollar. I'm your bread man, the goy, the goy here. I'll buy all the bread because you can't have not a morsel of bread in your house for the next eight days. And you're wondering, how does a goy know this, right? How does Curtis Sliwa a goy know this? Because as a kid, I used to go fishing for gefilte fish. Right there in Jamaica Bay, I always wondered, "Ah, maybe that's why the gefilte fish don't bite on my hook, on my fishing pole, because I'm goy. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Eddie and Nassau. Your turn to be heard here on Frank Morano's Other Side of Midnight. Hey, Curtis, I'm in Ocean County. Ocean? You mean, wait a second, Long Beach? Ocean County in New Jersey. Whoa! And let me tell you something, Curtis. Wait, wait, hold on a second. You see, this is being done by Frank Morano's crew to sabotage my program. How the hell do you put up Nassau County when it's Ocean County on the Jersey Shore, right? I have no idea. Molly usually gets me straight because she knows now from Ocean. Uh, you know it's all, all, all part of sab- it's all part of sabotage here because this is not my crew. See, my crew is all African American. They're brothers. They're down. Black Lives Matter, and I tell, them, hey, all lives matter. You don't like it? Leave. They say, hey, I need the job. I say, okay, but this crew here, I don't know. I don't know, Eddie. But go, go for it, Eddie. Let me tell you something. About the cleaning for for Pesach for the chametz, so the feather and and the spoon is it comes later. That's tonight. But for the past three weeks, we're all scrubbing the floors, and then tonight we do a final checkup on the whole house with a feather and a spoon. And we use flashlights, not the candle anymore. What? You've gone new jack. You haven't done. You haven't used your Shabbat unused Shabbat candles. Well, that was when they didn't have flashlights, but a, a, a flashlight is just as good these days as a candle. Well, think of me as a Shabbos guy. I'm the one who before... Have you ever been a Shabbos guy? Oh, I've had to tear toilet paper because observant Jews, you know, oh, God forbid, you know, they have to tear the toilet paper to, to wipe their tochas. They leave it to the Shabbos guy like me. Ah, yeah, uh, see that, uh, Eddie? Yeah. You know who else was Shabbos Goy? You know who else was Shabbos Goy? Elvis Presley in Tupelo, Mississippi, that Mameluke. And, by the way, uh, Colin Colin Powell in the South Bronx was a Shabbos Goy. Did you know that, Eddie? 
Yes, I was actually about to tell you that. Oh, how do I know that? How, how do I know? How do I know you didn't just pimp my ride here, Eddie? Well, I guess there's no way for me to prove it to you, but whatever. No, no, anyway, no. Yes, me, you can. Yes, you can. No, hold on. I'm looking yeah. in the sky right now. You have a pipeline to Hashem. Jesus okay. never answers me. I mean, all these holy rollers out there, oh, Jesus is talking to me. He never talks to me. He hangs up on me. But you have a pipe. You, you've studied Torah and Talmud, right? Yep. Okay, so you got a pipeline to Hashem. Let's see if the star that I'm looking at twinkles. If it twinkles, that means Hashem has heard you, Eddie. If all of a sudden it goes dull, that means JC has finally answered my call. How about that, Eddie? All right, which star are you looking at? Oh, my God, oh, my Typical Weisenheimer, eh? See, what star are you looking at? The little Milky Way, the Milky Way. 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Obviously not with Frank Morano. You could actually see me as my eyes are bulging out on WABCRadio.tv. First time they've ever put me on the boob tube here. And I'm like, Lenslice. This is monumental. In advance of Pesach, Easter, and now, Good Friday, beware. I may be having flashbacks if you happen to be Jewish. W-A-B-C. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 W-A-B-C. The hell do you think this is, La Mega? Super Kaku! Radio Wado! Look, they're going to be taking over our country uh, within a month, you know, flooding across the border. Hey, can we speak English here? Oh, I know why you're playing this bad bunny. Because he does this duo with Drake. Who says I'm a brother from T.O. Toronto. He's a little Jewish boy. A bucha boy. Yeah, Drake, get out of here. Please. Yeah, man. I'm a homie. No, you're not. Watch. I wonder if he celebrates Pesach. What do we think? You think Drake up in T.O. has the matzo ball soup? He can afford it with inflation. The chicken. Oh, have you seen the price of chicken? You know... The matzah. Have you seen the price of matzah? Maranamai. You may start eating silver cup bread soon and breaking Pesach. But then again, I'm making the offer to all of you Jews out there. You cannot have a morsel of bread in your house. I am your bread man. Sell it to me for a dollar so that I can then resell it out in the streets. Have you seen what a loaf of regular bread is now? Imagine, I buy it for a dollar, I sell it for five. That's $4 profit. You got eight days. Every slice of bread you have in your house, if you're an observant Jew, if you don't want to offend Hashem, you must sell it to me, the righteous Gentile. Anyway, let's go to the phone. Speaking of matzo ball soup, it's Mark calling from New Haven. Uh, Your turn to be heard here on the other side of midnight, normally with Frank Morano, but he's shooting craps in Atlantic City for the next three days on the cuff because he's been a shill 
for the Atlantic City gambling industry. Go with you. Go with your thoughts, Mark. Hey, Curtis, it's Ark's father, who I think when he was only 18 was probably the youngest sergeant in the Guardian Angels. Ah. Am I right to say that? No, of course you are. I remember patrolling with him. Yep. So anyway, so the story goes, I don't know how familiar you are with Madeline Street. Now, hold on a second. Uh, see, Molly's doing this on purpose. Again, it's Sabatucci by the Frank Morano crew. Uh, or maybe it's JC upset that I'm talking so much about Hashem and Pesach instead of Good Friday. Oh, Catholics, they love Good Friday. They love the crucifixion. Not Protestants. It's the resurrection, Easter. We'll talk about more about that in 12 hours. Uh, Mark, please call back again. And not with your Obama phone. Uh, hmm. Let's go to Tony all the way down to Florida where everyone from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut is moving. Which part of Florida are you in, Tone? I'm in central Florida, about 50 miles north of uh, Disney. Oh, sure. So are you in Orange County? No, north of there. uh, I live in the Ocala National Forest. It's in Lake County. Well, I can tell. You didn't come there from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Connecticut, correct? You're right. I'm from Ohio, Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland. And the other day, now this is interesting, Tom. The other day, uh, Frank Morano had a caller. I think his name was Joey. He was calling up, and he said, Hey, you know, uh, Curtis calls Cleveland that mistake by the lake. And Joey agreed. He said, Yeah. Would you agree with that? That's why you left? No. Well, what the hell did you leave Cleveland for? Well, because it's warmer down here and because I met my husband and he was a park ranger, so I had to oh. move down here. Well, that's a very good reason, a very good reason. See, you got me on that, Tony. You got me like Steve from <laughs> Manhattan got me as Howie. Go, go ahead, Tony. Okay, I've got a question for you. It might sound odd, but my mom's family come from Europe on the west part of Europe. And my dad's family comes from Eastern Europe. And I've heard you use the word dupa. And you're the only person outside of my family I've heard use that word. And I always thought it was from the Eastern side of my family, but you're from Italy, right? No, no, I'm split. Uh, This is a split ticket. My father he was born in Chicago. He's the oldest of four boys. But his his uh, father, my grandfather, Anton, and my grandmother, Wanda, came from a town, uh, Limanova, which is in Poland. It's in the highlands on the border with Czechoslovakia. It's uh, dairy country. Yeah, that's where my grandparents come from, Poland and Czechoslovakia. Yeah. So am I right in thinking that word is from Eastern Europe? Yeah. Remember, Poland is east. You see how close it is to the Ukraine? Yes. Yeah, right next door. So you see, just imagine you were having spaghetti, not with sausage, but you were having a spaghetti with kielbasa. Yeah. Now you got it. That's the mix. Yes, yes. Okay, so I was right then. It is Eastern Europe. Well... You seem to be a little unsure. See, these are Frank Morano callers. You don't get these kind of callers with me. Uh, when you go Saturday, uh, excuse me, just about 12 hours. No, a little less than 12. No, 24 hours. I'll be at 12 midnight. 
All Saturday morning, 12 to 6. And then all Sunday morning, 12 to 6. Notice the callers are radically different. Radically different. I wonder why. Anyway, let's go to Bill in Philly. Uh, Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bill. See, there's no Bill. Another act of sabotage here by the Frank Morano crew. Now, I get a lot of calls from Philly because Philly's like the crime capital of the Northeast, the murder capital of the Northeast. But let's try Adam in Newark. Newark, your turn to be heard here on what is normally the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, Adam. How you doing, Curtis? How are you tonight? Oh, I know you're not a caller to the Curtis uh, other side of midnight. Uh, let I know, me be- I'm not supposed to ask you how you're feeling. I know that. But I'm calling to make a complaint against Frank. Ooh, a complaint. So I got the question of the night one night, and this guy sends me a hat that doesn't fit my five-year-old son. So in the tradition of the Frank Morano show, I want to denounce him. I'm going to denounce him for sending out prizes that don't fit regular people. So you are... Uh, and then when I look at this hat, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, you, you are doing a denunciation of Frank Morano. Correct. Okay. Correct. I'm denouncing Frank Morano for allowing his crew on the board to make a decision on the best question of the night. Wow. And then they send me a prize. They send me a prize that doesn't fit my head. I'm not a big, big guy, but how about sending me a hat, a good, nice cap that fits a regular person's hat? Well, you know something, Adam? We, I will amend that. Even though I've been snubbed by Frank Morano, who uh, is now rated uh, in the uh, the Bible of all talk radio uh, all talk radio uh, conversations, uh, Talkers Magazine. He's ahead of Joe Piscopo. I'm not even rated. I'm a person of no consequence. You stay on the line, Adam, and Molly, don't mess this up. Get Adam's information, and instead, I will send you, Adam, the Curtis Sliwa hat, which will properly fit you because it's self-adjustable in the back. For the small head, the middle-sized head, and the fat head that so many of our callers have because they think, hey, it's me. You know who I am? No. You okay, Adam? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you for listening. Not only listening, but you get action here. We're going to make sure that you get the Curtis Sliwa hat that is self-adjustable in the back, even for fat heads. Like people like Frank Morano who think this this stuff don't don't stink. Thank you, Curtis. When you get it, Adam, make me a promise. You will call Frank Morano up and you will let him know how I rectified a very difficult situation here that you put WABC in. But he will his crew let me throw to speak to him, and will he listen to me? You think? Well. That's debatable because obviously they're here to protect him, and they I understand. Protect him, yes. They I understand. Protect him. I understand. He he won't even make a decision on his own contest. He has the people on his board decide who the best question was. Oh, See, I never went to college, so I just I, I just beat them at their own game. I waited for to the last ten minutes of the contest, and I presented the best question. Ah, That's so. All I did. 
Now, when, when did this happen, Adam? When did this happen? Uh, this must have been, uh, I'm going to say, about two months ago. Well, first off, I, I, even w- remember, I even remember the question. Adam, what was the question, Adam? The question I presented in the last 10 minutes was, if there was one thing that Mrs. Marino could change about Mr. Frank Marino, what would that be? Oh. That was the question. That's so I ex- just waited to the last 10 minutes and beat them at their own game. That is an excellent question. Well, let me tell you something, Adam. Which part of Newark are you from? Oh, well, I work in Newark. I'm, uh, I'm more towards North Arlington, New okay. Jersey. I know that, but where in Newark do you work? Uh, Newark Airport. Okay. Um, right near the Budweiser Brewery, right? You see that all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Can't miss it. That's right, because, yes. And this yes. this hat is for you, Adam. So this butt is not for you. This hat will be for you. I will rectify the wrong, Adam. Thank you, Curtis. Oh, Thank welcome. you. Now, Molly, don't drop him. Make sure you get all of Adam's information. We want to make sure that that uh, hat arrives. Fed Express. Wow. That's, boy. I'm really ashamed of you guys back there. They they got the bulletproof glass up here. All of a sudden, Frank's here, no bulletproof glass. I'm here. It's like they're afraid one of his mobster friends is going to come in here and unload a 9 millimeter on me. Wow. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mark again in New Haven. Let's see if uh, Hashem is uh, shining brightly on Mark's uh, cell phone. Go for it, Mark. Thank you, Curtis. No, the, it, it, it's my fault. I used to own a limo company. And I still have them out, and I was, in fact, in Hopewell uh, Junction, New York. I'm in Carmel now, and uh, I was just in a place with no cell phone service. But anyway, so the story goes that Marilyn Monroe people, and as she became more popular in the movies, the studio sent her to New York on a publicity tour. And, you know, Marilyn Monroe, star of Niagara, scene taking the subway. Marilyn Monroe at the stage belly having a bowl of matzo ball soup. She never had matzo ball soup before. And they said, Miss Monroe, do you like the matzo ball soup? And she said, it's very good. Tell me, are there other parts of the matzo that are edible? <laughs> See, what, what, do you, the shiksa, what do you expect from a shiksa? Oh, boy, the phone. Difficult. I, I think uh, some acts of sabotage here. I understand. Frank's crew's got it difficult. They got their orders from headquarters. Meantime, you should know Frank Morano got a beautiful three-day pass, penthouse accommodations uh, at the Borgata. Can play all the craps and roulette, blackjack, poker he wants because he's been shilling for AC. What day does he do that infomercial on uh, on the radio for AC? It's all AC. He, and he actually said the other morning, oh, I thought a lot of people wouldn't like it. I checked the ratings. It's like one of the most preferred segments of the Frank Morano show. And I said, bull feathers, bull feathers. It's like Bob the Torch Torricelli used to be the attack dog for Donald Trump in all of his casinos in A.C. Every time some Indian nation, Redbone, uh, some tribe in Jersey w- with, with credentials, 
would say, you know, we're entitled to have a casino, according to the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Torricelli would say, no, you're not. You're not real Indians. Well, this is Frank Morano. He's the pit bull for the Atlantic City gaming industry. I heard it's diatribe against having real gambling in New York City. Because let's face it, if all of a sudden you could play real board games at Aqueduct, at the Racino, real board games at Yonkers Raceway, and real board games somewhere else, we're entitled to a, a third real casino. Who the hell is going to schlep all the way to AC, right? You got to get on the turnpike, and they clip you there. Then they clip you on the Garden State Parkway. Then they clip you at the Atlantic City Expressway. Then, oh, my God, you go into the casino, they clip you there. I mean, the, the games are just like totally, you can't beat the house there. And then Frank Morano becomes their number one show. I saw I heard that. So do we think that he's in church today? Nope. Do we think that he's in synagogue for Pesach? Nope. Do we think he's Easter egg hunting with little Carmine? Nope. Do we think he's down on his hands and knees looking for the last morsel of bread on the floor with Rachel, with a, a little broom and a little spoon? Nope. He's shooting craps and CeeLo. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Monica in Queens. Your turn to be heard on the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, now featuring Curtis Sliwa for the morning. Hello? Yes, Monica. Yes. I, I just want to, I want to first, I want to thank you for your your service and, and your organization. Um, and what I wanted to ask you about was, are you familiar with uh, BIE organization? The BIE organization? What does the acronym stand for? It, it stands for Black Identity Extremism. No, it's an actual official group? And yes, it was uh, supposedly it was started around 2017. And Mr. Hatemonger, Frank James, is, was connected with this organization. Wow. that's Now, that's a first time hearing that. I'll certainly do a deep dive on that. We're going to play, play some of his diatribes in the next hour. I think he mentions, I think he mentions that. And, um, and what's, what's very disturbing is uh, that the FBI refuses to uh, recognize this organization. Hmm. Well, that's because they're so used to, to forever busting Italians and then forever busting Islamists. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I find that very disturbing. What? How are we going to have law and order if the FBI is not going to be looking into these organizations? I concur with you on that. I concur. I will concur. I will. I will. Monica, do you normally call Frank Morano? Do I call who? Frank Morano. No, I have never called. I've listened to him, but I, I've never called him. Oh, okay. No, but you see, to you and everyone else out there listening, I know everybody loves talk radio. Only 1% of the listeners ever bother to call a talk radio program. We've got to change that equation. Now, I know with someone like Frank, he likes to hear himself talk a lot. 
uh, I like to uh, actually let the callers talk. The more they have an, uh, an interesting thing to say, the more they talk. But, but, you know, most hosts and hostesses, they like hearing themselves talk. It's sort of like, uh, I figure, I didn't know about this BIE. You're educating me, Monica. <laughs> well, I got educated, too, from, uh, it's a, I believe it's a, it's an organization called SecureFreedom.org. Mm, SecureFreedom.org. So I'm going to definitely look into that. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying, this uh this Frank James was a real—he's a real hate monger. <laughs> well, you know, uh, he's no uh, brother of Jesse James, that's for sure. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, uh, believe it or not, when I got locked up in Detroit by Coleman Young years ago, because he said I had no business uh, organizing Guardian Angels in Detroit, they didn't have a crime problem. Ha. <laughs> uh, I spent ten days in Dehock, the Detroit House of Correction. And the correctional officers, the screws, because it was way out in the country. It was in a a cornfield. They told me, you should be honored, Curtis. Jesse James was in this cell. So really? I said, was that the last white guy who was in this jail? Because all I've seen are brothers. Correctional officers were black. The inmates were black. And I was like a little spot of bleach in an inkwell. I said, I guess that's why you put me in Jesse James's cell. They say, you think that's funny? No, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not. I'm just trying to survive 10 days. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Chris in Mount Vernon. Your turn to be heard here on what is normally the other side of midnight featuring Frank Morano, who's spending uh, three days at an extravaganza at the Borgata in AC, courtesy of the gaming industry. Go for it, Chris. Hey Curtis, listen. I, I'm here on the weekend. You're you're always on the radio. When do you sleep, dude? I believe in this, Chris. There'll be plenty of time to sleep when I'm dead. And so <laughs> many, so many people have tried to kill me. I'm like a cat that's used eight out of nine lives. So I figured, look, when it's over, it's over. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. At the rate I'm going with all the child support I owe, they'll bury me in a cardboard box. I'll be out oh, at Potter's. Oh, oh. Uh, Potter's, uh, Potter's Field, and, you know, I'll, I'll become fertilizer, compost quite quickly in a cardboard box. Wow. All right. Maybe, uh, it, what keeps you going? What, do you drink coffee? Do you drink a lot of coffee, soda, or what? Well, I used to be a caffeine freak until I had colitis, ileitis, and then chronic Crohn's disease that almost took my life. So that was it. I used to drink two 68 bottles, ounces of Coca-Cola. And have it like intravenous in my arm. Wow. So some people used to say they actually picked it up on phone conversations. Uh, they were they were tapping my phone, the FBI, because they thought that I was some kind of cult leader, you know, some kind of terrorist organization, the Guardian Angels. And they would always see a Guardian Angel say, wow, Curtis Lewa loves his coke. And so they actually thought I was a coke fiend. And then finally, they took in a few guardian angels. Tell us where his stash is. The guy drinks two 68-ounces bottle of Coca-Cola each day. They said, no, 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 we mean Kukina. Come on. No, no, he's into Coca-Cola. That's funny. All right, thanks, Curtis. I appreciate it. You got it. Anyway, let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Hi, Curtis. Uh, I was going to tell you, 
when I lived uh, before I moved around Jersey Street, I used to live in Willowbrook. So I was the Shabbos boy because my wife is Jewish and I'm Catholic. So uh, the big thing to tip off, I'll tell you now and to everybody out there, I wouldn't say it. You know, I got to uh, not drive it as much. I got a car. But if you want to buy a good car, go around Willowbrook like a week before Passover. And a lot of people, they sell their car just not to clean it out for the bread from. Wow. You know, and you get a good buy, I'm telling you. But, I, you know, I don't do it anymore. I did it like three times in the last 15 years, and I got good cars. Because some people, they want to clean that car out so well, and they're afraid that they may have breadcrumb in it because a lot of the kids eat bread and stuff well before they go into school and their car seats. So to them, it's less trouble to sell the car to clean it out. Well, you see what the Chavez Goy can teach you about the chosen people right there in Mid-Island, Willowbrook. Next stop will be Lakewood, New Jersey, and then Boca Raton, the sixth borough of the city of New York. It's called the Hop, Skip, and a Jump. Up next, the Screwball, the Crackpot, James, and we're going to psychoanalyze. This enemy of society. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Godfather of Soul, Soul Brother Number One, James Brown, King of the Big One Two Five, and the Apollo Theater. By the way, this is the new theme song for the brother from another planet, Dominic Carter. It's his new theme song. He loved it the other day when I played it. Played it, a blast from the past. You hear Maceo uh, and the Max in the back. Maceo Mac. Oh, I hear him. I hear him. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, you know, used to uh, come out first, the opening act for James Brown, Maceo, uh, and the Max. Little Al, Slim Shady Sharpton, he was the boy preacher. If you notice, his hair is just like James Brown. He's got that pompadour. I don't know if he ever used uh, green Vaseline. That is nasty stuff. Yeah. Do that mashed potato. Did the moon dance long before that pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson. And by the way, a solid Republican, James Brown, used to read about him in the 60s in Ebony Magazine, Jet Magazine, when he was supporting Ike. That's right, he supported Eisenhower. And then he supported Richard Nixon against JFK. He is always a big Republican. In fact, believe it or not, Al Slim Shady Sharpton at first was a Republican who supported Al, mm, Alphonse Sally Boy D'Amato for the U.S. Senate, as was Eric Adams, who was a Republican 
He voted for Michael Bonacic, Rudy Giuliani, the first time against David Dinkins. But then again, he did a pirouette, like how Slim Shady Sharpton did. But James Brown never did. He was solid gold Republican, just like Jackie Robinson was a Rockefeller Republican. But enough of that. Enough of that. And by the way, you got to be watching me on WABCRadio.tv. WABCRadio.tv. I have so many gyrations. You see me, I got the specs on, I got the red beret, the red sateen jacket, I'm talking like an Italian stallion, not a pole. Not a Polak. Oh, no, they don't talk with their hands. I'm talking with my hands. You say, man, that's the bodies coming out of him. 1-800-848-9222. Now, what we're going to do here is I pride myself on knowing emotionally disturbed persons. Takes one to know one. There's nobody in this city who knows more about emotionally disturbed persons who's had more conversations with them, who knows them, and has seen them when they're stable, and when when they have psychotic disorders. Now, I have never met this guy, Frank James, who it turns out has been a resident of New York City. But first, let's listen, because we're going to end up playing all of the YouTube tapes that he uploaded for the whole world to see. Now, back when he was doing these YouTube tapes, the only one watching them was him. Now the whole world is watching them. Well, I guess if you go into a subway, you drop two canisters of smoke, and then you blast ten people. And then you uh, escape looking like one of the village people, and you're walking around (laughs) in Park Slope like the village people. You get back on the train, and you're riding it around for 12 hours, still dressed with your construction hat on and your orange vest. Yeah, NYPD, you did a real good job. But we'll get to that later on. Let's go to the mayor who's hibernating because he has COVID-19, in which he blames social networking for not vetting out Frank James, the madman. People utilize social media and utilize uh, their thoughts on not only criticizing or critiquing, but turning that uh, their thoughts and processing uh, into violence. This is unacceptable. Uh, there's one thing to critique the actions of any government official, but to take an automatic weapon, unload 33 rounds into a subway system, wearing a gas mask, using a, a smoke bomb to carry out a deadly action is not acceptable. And we are going to apprehend him, prosecute him. OK, I accept that. Although we have a picture of Mayor Eric Adams up on WABCRadio.tv, please make sure he has his mask on. He still has COVID-19. I haven't gotten it. I should have gotten it many times. Wouldn't that be amazing that I get it from the mayor who's talking on our WABCRadio.tv? So I accept that premise so far based on what the mayor knew, what I knew, and what all of you knew. But he went on to talk about red flags. We are watching signs around us of those who are leaning toward violent actions, and we are ignoring them. Why aren't we identifying these dangerous threats? Why aren't we being more more proactive wait, instead of waiting for this to happen? And you look at how we're using social media right now uh, to put threats out there, carry out dangerous actions, and there are clear correlations between what's being posted and what's being carried out in our streets, in this case and in many other cases. All right. 
So uh, the mayor, who knew more at that time about the YouTube rantings of Frank James, was suggesting in that statement that this guy was threatening violence on people. Let's go to the audio tapes and analyze each one of these rants by the crackpot to schoolball Frank James. Eric Adams. Eric Adams. What the f***? What are you doing, brother? What's happening with this homeless situation? I got on the E-train. Every car. If I'm lying, I'm fine. Every car I went to was loaded with homeless people. And the odor, it it was so bad, I couldn't even stand. I had had to keep moving from car to car. I almost missed my train. Boy, that sounds like anybody taking the E-train. Other than the curse word. He didn't sound crazy there. <laughs> there are a lot of homeless people on the E train. And they haven't bathed. And they stink up to join. All right, all right. Well, 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 there are a lot. There's a lot here. Let's let's go through them point by point. Here is the crackpot Frank James saying he wouldn't be mad at white people if all of a sudden they decided to take out all black people. And if they tried to exterminate us. I would not be mad at them one bit because, and that's the you are, refuses to understand that you have a serious problem that you have not dealt with since they so-called set you free, and they didn't set you free. They turned you loose. So Frank James would not have a problem if white people trying to take out all black people. Boy, that seems like uh, he doesn't like black people that much, right? You know, he's been, oh, black racist. He hates white people. I have a feeling he hates all people. But you got to listen to all the tapes because everybody, oh, black lives matter. Why don't you bother to listen to the guy? I realize he's a crackpot and a screwball, but everybody's jumping to conclusions. So far, everything he said is protected by freedom of speech. He didn't say that he wanted to go out and shoot and kill white people or shoot and kill black people. Oh, wait, here he's talking about former President Barack Obama. And what you saw with the financial crisis of 2008 that went back to 2004, they created a, a the same thing, a mechanism by which they can loop the whole system and not be held accountable. And who was your president back in 2008? Right, Barack Obama. Our first black president who couldn't do about those looters. But he's black, and this is a great opportunity for black people. And, you know, black children can now dream and hope to be president one day. President of what? President of what? Now, has he advocated violence yet? Is this a reason you would suddenly listen to these tapes like listening? We got to listen to all these crackpots and screwballs. See if they're going to be violent. So far, I haven't heard anything. You know, if it was Eric Adams, he'd shut them all down. Oh, well, there's more. There's more rantings. But I want to ask you, so far, everything you've heard about Frank James talking about the homeless on the E-trains, he wouldn't be mad if white people took out all black people, and he obviously wasn't very praiseworthy of uh, former President Barack Obama, our first African-American president. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, he talks about, now this may be, may be where he really starts shaking, rattling, and rolling. White devil blood 
is in black people. And so what I want to suggest in this video is that we should not embrace, we should not accept the white devil blood that we have in us because of the way that it was forced upon us. We should try to find a way, just like Demi did in the, the, that scene from Exodus, to uh, reject that devil that's in us, even to the point of, of committing suicide, so to speak. And yeah, we'd have to commit a, a form of suicide. We'd have to kill. We'd have to kill ourselves in terms of we'd have to kill um, who we are right now. We'd have to. We'd have to sum, submerge again. Do a factory reset. A reset on our whole humanity, and rehabilitate our humanity and cleanse it out. Now, he's advocating that black people might consider suicide, but that doesn't mean he's going to go out and kill black people. Have we heard anything yet that's a violation or that should send up alarm signals? I mean, I've heard crazier things on YouTube, crazier rantings by blacks and whites and everything and everyone in between. 1-800-848-9222. Sounds just like Farrakhan. Then you have here, Far- Farrakhan was on Nightline. That's right, I'll, I'll never forget. He was on Nightline, and he was talking about how the evil Yakub, mad while experimenting, had created white devils, and that black Uriel-Asiatic men were superior because their brains were larger than the white devils. Now... Farrakhan was followed by quite a few African-Americans. Could I, let me hear that again, Frank James, talking about white devil blood. In That sounds like it's a right from the Nation of Islam, his newspaper, The Final Call, you know, where you get black guys dressed in suits with uh, fedoras on, you got to pay a buck, you know, for that, or you get the Bialian bean pie. I always tell them, I'll take the final call. No, we ain't selling to you, white devil. Oh. Excuse me, but you'll take the white devil dollar bill with George Washington on it? And then they look at me like, hmm, yeah, give me that dollar. You ain't getting the pie, though. 1-800-848-9222. Now, let's play this. This is Frank James. Tell me he doesn't sound like Farrakhan. And so what I want to suggest in this video is that we should not embrace, we should not accept the white devil blood that we have in us because of the way that it was forced upon us. We should try to find a way, just like Demi did in the, the, that scene from Exodus, to uh, reject that devil that's in us, even to the point of, of committing suicide, so to speak. And yeah, we'd have to commit a, a form of suicide. We'd have to kill. We'd have to kill ourselves in terms of we'd have to kill um, who we are right now. We'd have to. We'd have to sum, submerge again. Do a factory reset. A reset on our whole humanity. And rehabilitate our humanity and cleanse it out. Now, the guy's a screwball and a nut job. But suicide means you're going to take your own life. It doesn't mean that he or anyone else is going to kill you. I still haven't seen where he's crossed the line. Sounds a lot like Farrakhan. 1-800-848-9222. By the way, uh, in the early 90s, Eric Adams, our mayor, was a follower of Screwy Louis Farrakhan. So <laughs> you ought to know. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Oh, oh, th- maybe this one. He talks about race separation. Maybe this one. Oh well, you know we're all human beings, bunch of bull. And how color doesn't really matter. You know that's bull also. 
Yes, color does matter. There's a reason why you have white people and black people on, on the planet. There's a reason you have uh, uh, so-called yellow people and, and, and brown and red people on the planet. There's a reason for that. It is, there's a reason, a reason in nature. There's nothing to do with what goes on in our fucking heads. Nature has determined that we should separate out, and we have done that. The only reason we're together, blacks and whites, is by force. It's not by choice. Now you realize how many black and white separatists have said this over the decades? I haven't yet heard him advocate violence against anybody. I'm trying. I've been listening to a lot of these schoolball nutjob tapes of Frank James, but apparently everybody else seems to think he threatened violence. Can anybody out there be an armchair shrink and tell me what they think? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, oh, maybe this one. He's expecting a civil war. If the time comes, and I believe it will, when the majority of white people want to separate themselves from us and begin to create nation states with inside the United States, as they call it, secede from the Union, and that was the reason the Civil War, uh, one, of the, one of the catalysts of the Civil War was the secession from the union of, of certain southern states well that's going to be that call has been heard here recently it's going to be heard in the, in the future and it's going to take place and it's going to take place and i'll continue to remind you if the, if the day and the time comes when we are ever separated from our white master for real and left off to ourselves now, again, I've heard this kind of nonsense before by whites, by blacks. Have, have we heard anything? Hey, boy, up. have you heard anything yet where he's advocating? Hey, you could talk. You could talk. I know Frank Morano, he sort of discourages that. It may take away from his talk time. But have we heard him advocate violence against anybody yet? Can't say I've heard anything yet. Have you heard screwballs like this before, white and black? Oh, all the time. Oh, well, ooh. It's got to be this. Uh, he talks about you can't be a king if you're a mixed blood. We were kings, and and, and talking about how we were we were Af- we were over in Africa, we were kings, and we ruled kingdoms. I understand the, the, what the, what that's about, and it's just to, to help to elevate us because we've been brought down so low. We need to, we need to be need we need uh, thoughts and affirmations that'll that'll bring us up from our uh, you know downtrodden condition, and to say. To imagine yourself being a king, of course, of course, that's going to raise you up. That's going to make you feel better about yourself and your condition. And But that's just a step. You know, that's just a step. Now we have to take the next step. And we're not doing that. We're staying stuck on this this, this step, the really childish step of talking when we were f***ing kings. Right? And no, we were not kings. So-called African Americans, American Negroes, were never kings. Now, I'm not saying that we, uh, you may not have some royal blood in you. I'm not saying that. You just might. But that royal blood mixed with European blood disqualifies you from talk about being a king. Well, that's like right out of the book of Farrakhan. Sounds a little bit like the black Hebrew Israelites. You notice something in common? It's like that was Colin Ferguson, too, 1993. It's like Colin Ferguson, black, 
trying to kill whites. All right, we got that. We're going to talk about that later on because there's certain comparisons you can't deny. But this guy is charged with an act of terrorism. And you know why he's being charged with terrorism. Let's see if anybody out there is sharp enough to know why the U.S. attorney for the Eastern District is charging him with an act of terrorism, whereas Colin Ferguson, who was on a Long Island Railroad train leaving Penn Station at 5 o'clock rush hour, by the time he got to Garden City, he started to shoot, shot and killed six white people and injured 16 others. Worse than this nut job Frank James. And that guy hated white people, too. And yet he did not get charged with being a domestic terrorist. That's in 1993, right after the uh, first attack on the World Trade Center. He got charged in Nassau County Court. The DA prosecuted him, Dillon. And it was uh, Kuby and uh, Kunstler who represented him with the black rage defense. And even he said, Colin Ferguson, no, that ain't going to work. You're fired. I'll represent myself. We'll talk about that later on. How is that not a case of terrorism? And why is it Frank James is being charged with terrorism? Some of you should be able to figure out why it's going to be handled at the federal level and not the state or the city level. Let's see how bright the Frank Morano audience is. This is this is not a brain bender. This is easy to figure out. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Rocco, who's been patiently waiting on the line from northern Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rocco. Hey, Curtis, you're torturing us by playing his voice. Um, uh, anyway, uh, two points. Uh, I don't know if you have a name for your own show, but I think it should be Angel of the Night. Well, I However, like that. Let me write that down. Hold on. Angel of the Night. Angel of the Night. Okay, so if I ever go to an appeals tribunal here at WABC, Angel of the Night. Remember, I got stuck with the another side of midnight because it was the choice of the golden child, uh, the untouchable Frank Morano. But that, that's, a, that's a good one. Angel of the Night. I like that. I like that, Rocco. Because you, you, you are the founder of uh, Angels, right? And you are after midnight. And... and, and and you're so, I mean, you're uh, you're authentic, you're real. So Angel of the Night, would, I think, would be perfect for you. I like that, Rocco. I'm going to lobby for that. It may be difficult because, you know, Frank Morano has the final say. Wait, All it? right. Let me, let me get to this moron. I'm actually very disappointed that the passengers who have their head buried in their, in their gadgets looking at stupid pictures, how could you, how could you like, have a 300-pound man sitting next to you or, 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 or rubbing shoulders with you and not know that that person walked by, you haven't seen that person. And I think had they been more observant, which people should be, I think once they saw him open his bags and do his stupid thing, you know, take out his weapons, I think they could have jumped him and prevented all of this from happening. And they are very lucky that nobody got killed, super lucky that nobody got killed. Yeah, yeah, but Rocco, hold, hold, hold on a second. The guy is sitting there with a construction helmet on and a vest. He looks like any MTA worker, track worker. He's got a milk crate full of these items. He first takes out the smoke canisters and throws them. Now, you're not going to see anything after that. And then he starts just randomly shooting into the smoke. He doesn't even see who he's shooting at that point.
You understand, Rocco? Curtis, had you been there, this would not have happened. Had I been there, it would not have happened because immediately, immediately there would have been action. He eyed these people. He didn't just walk into any car and say, okay, I'm randomly like, I'm going to walk into this car and do this. He saw, he saw, he eyed every person in that car and said, this, this is the weakest link here. I can get away with this in here. Well, you know how we, you know how we would know that, Rocco, we would know that. If the MTA, money-taking agency, would actually spend a lot of the money they rip us off for because we get no service and put a camera in each subway car, there are approximately 6,200 subway cars in service in 472 stations that make up the subway system. They could easily have a camera in each car, and we would have known if you came into that car. We know the train he was on. You couldn't go through the doors because the end train, the doors are locked between uh, between the cars. So, Rocco, if they had video cameras that actually worked and they had video cameras that were actually in the subway cars themselves, we would actually know for sure. But other than that, you look at the guy in the few pictures we have, and he looks like one of the village people. Yeah, he might as well be singing YMCA. I mean, he looked like any normal MTA worker. They're generally big guys, track workers, because he had to lift those tracks. So he's uh, 5'5", about 250 pounds. He looks more like 300 to me. Doesn't look 5'5 to me either. He looks like at least he's a good 6'2", but he's a big guy. That's the kind of guy they have doing track work. White guys, black guys, I see them all the time. And they all dress. They got the construction helmets. They got the uh, orange vests. How would you have known that he was going to be a potential threat? Other than one of the witnesses who was nearby said he was mumbling to himself, how unusual is that in the subway? Like one-third of the people in the subway are mumbling to themselves. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. No one has yet, though, figured out why is he being charged with a terrorist charge by the U.S. Attorney of the Eastern District in Brooklyn and not like Colin Ferguson, who actually did more damage. He killed six people. He injured, shot about 16 other people. And he was only charged in Nassau County Court. Why the difference? It should be obvious to you. Let's go, if we can, to Joseph calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Curtis, drugs, the city has to pay attention with drugs. Drugs, secondary to mentally disability. It doesn't come overnight. When they're smoking it, they never thought they will be uh, mentally uh, one day. So uh, we need to pay attention for drugs. So now, Joe, Joe, you're basically basically saying this guy was on drugs, but there's nothing to suggest that he was on any drugs, Joe. Uh, What he smoked inside the train. No, no, no. He he wasn't smoking in the train. He set off canisters that release smoke into the air that then makes it difficult to see anything. Passengers cannot go from car to car. The doors are locked on the end train. They're not on the R train. If it was the R train, it would have been different. They could have gone to the next car. So they had to wait till the train pulled into 36th Street. 
Then the doors opened up. Then they all ran out. And by the way, the only reason we saw that, Joseph, is people's cell phones. Not all the cameras in the stations that were not working. And the CEO of the MTA, the money-taking agency, his excuse was, well, the Internet was down. Uh, Thank you, but we need to pay attention with those drugs. If we can uh, follow uh, Frank James' footsteps. Well, I tell you what, so far... Nobody has said he was a dope fiend. Nobody said he was smoking K2 or anything. We don't know anything about his drug intake. Now, is it a possibility? Of course it is. But so far, that is not one of the things that we know about Frank James. And we seem to know quite a bit about him. (laughs) He's a New York City resident, was a traveling man, Wisconsin, got a legal gun in Ohio. You know, they talked about all the charges. He got all these charges. Wasn't one felony. He walks into a pawn shop in Ohio and he gets a legal gun. He gets an Airbnb in Philly. This guy had to have some money. He had a credit card. Where did he get his money from? He obviously wasn't uh, indigent. He wasn't on welfare. He hadn't been arrested since 2007. That's a long time ago. No felony charges. Oh, he's got a big rap sheet. I've been arrested. Ha, <laughs> ha. 67 times, 76 times. I'm even forgetting now. I mean, they're making this guy. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, there's no doubt he's off his rocker. He's a schoolboy. But to me, he's a lone wolf. He's a lone wolf. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tone. All right, Curtis. Here's the deal. After 2001, the federal government installed within the Code of Federal Regulations specific laws that refer to terrorist acts. They describe them in detail. They make reference to acts within the public domain which take place where people would congregate for the purposes of commuting or assemblies such as churches, schools, etc., the point being that the head of the DHS made a made a very subdued point. He said recently on the networks that the biggest problem we have in this country is white terrorism, white from white supremacists. Now this flies in the face of that. It's not a question of white terrorism or black terrorism. It's individual cuckoos who lose it. They want to make their point. What the point being, too, is that all MTA workers should have a large visible ID badge. Because I've seen a lot of homeless people sneak on the train. They find a vest somewhere. They steal one somewhere. And they look like MTA people. So they just walk right through the gate. You know where I'm coming from? Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely correct on both points. The thing thing is, too that the mayor, Adams, is worried about the homeless people, okay? Homeless people on the train. This guy had money. He wasn't homeless. He was no bum. So the point is, you get someone like him that that, that these homeless people pale in comparison to him. All right, it's sad one guy pushed the Chinese lady in front of the train. That's that's terrible. That is horrible. He should be charged with the terroristic act, because it is. It's to inspire the definition of terrorism is to imply a sphere 
and panic in the minds of the general public. You know what I'm saying? Sure, but there's also, as correct as you are on the feds taking charge, you know doggone well in the back of their minds, they didn't want to leave it to a state or a city prosecution because they do most of the gun charges in Brooklyn now because they don't trust Eric Gonzalez, the DA, who if you get busted one time with a gun and you didn't shoot it, you don't go to jail. You go to remediation. They don't trust uh, the Brooklyn DA, the Kings County DA. Yeah, that's the whole point. The DAs, you got uh, that that guy, uh, I forgot his name, the Manhattan DA. I can't remember his name. He He's another one, and the one out in California. They, they're not going to prosecute anybody because they want the public to be in a state of terror. This is the Democratic mindset. And what I'm waiting for, and I'm looking really forward to this, I know it's going to happen. Nobody can tell me no, is that when they repeal that uh, Title 42, you're going to have more illegals coming in here than you can count. And these people, a lot of them are out of jails, out of prisons, out of, out of mental hospitals. You're going to see terrorism that's that's beyond belief. Absolutely. Here in New York, in the major cities, just give it time. Well, you know, Tony, in your honor, we are going to go to the audio tape at the National Action Hate Network uh, annual meeting at the Sheraton Hotel in Midtown Manhattan last week. Tony was absolutely correct. He had a department of... uh, uh, Limigre, Immigration and Naturalization Service, um, Mayorkas. This is what he told the crowd at the Outslim Shady Sharpton annual event. And what we in the Department of Homeland Security have assessed is that the greatest terrorism-related threat that we face in the homeland is the threat of domestic violent extremism. <laughs> Individuals drawn to violence because of ideologies. Let's go to Joe Biden, the president. As I said in my address to the joint session of Congress, according to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. That's not me. That's the intelligence community under both Trump and under my administration. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, this guy, right? Frank James, white guy, Colin Ferguson, white guy. No. What was the mayor ranting about uh, the other night? He said, oh, there are 15 shootings. It was all black on black. Uh, black Lives Matter. Where are they now, right? Meantime, he was painting Black Lives Matter in the streets in the summer of 2020 with his very dear Kumbada Cheech, comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. Remember Eric Adams every day in front of Trump Tower, everywhere. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Now, all of a sudden, where's Black Lives Matter? But then again... If you have Limigra, Immigration and Naturalization Service, saying uh, the biggest threat to America is white supremacists, and then the president saying it, maybe that's why Eric Adams, our mayor, insisted on hiring his brother Bernard to be part of his security detail. Listen to the mayor speak about that. My brother is qualified uh, for the position. 
Uh, number one, he will be in charge of my security, uh, which is extremely important to me in a time when we see an increase in white supremacy and hate crimes. I have to take my secur- security in a very serious way. Now, once again, if you go to WABC Radio uh, dot TV, and I, please do so, because the first time they put me up on the big screen, the silver screen, even though it says the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Anybody looking at this would know that's not Frank Morano, the Mameluke, the Mangaluch, and the Mashad. You know, typically he has the martini, right? He's got the the uh, cigar. It ain't uh, Montenegro. It's not a Cohiba. You know, the ten cent cigar out of his mouth, and he's got this sweater on like it's like he's Jimmy Carter. You know, when it was cold out. Hey, hey, hey look at me. I'm thinking to myself. They said they were going to increase the security for the mayor because of Frank James uh, right before he got caught. White supremacy. Are there white supremacists out there who want to hurt our mayor? Kill our mayor? I don't know. I'll go to Bed Bath & Beyond and hang out in the white uh, sheet section there and see if they ever show up. It's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. Eric Adams, President Joe Biden. But then again, it makes sense. Eric Adams said, hey, I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. I'm the Biden of Brooklyn, and then my orcas. Le migra, Immigration and naturally, uh, Naturalization Service. Andale, andale, come on over the border. MS 13, 18th Street. Andale, andale. It's nuts. 1 800 848 Let's go to Tommy calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Good morning, Curtis. You said uh, about the white supremacy, the government intelligence agency. Isn't that an oxymoron? Government intelligence agency. All right. I I think that the feds came in because someone didn't want this guy tried in New York because uh, he might have been uh, let out of jail before the cops finished their paperwork. You know, with so many liberal judges and crazy bail laws, you never know. That may be one of the reasons, although he would be tried in New York. Eastern District means that the federal courthouse there is uh, in uh, downtown Brooklyn, and he would be housed uh, at the federal detention facility in Sunset Park. Right off the BQE. Okay, I know where it is. Yeah, um, I had to go there for, to get a paperwork. Um, no, no, yeah. hold, hold on. So, whoa, 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 whoa! You, you didn't what? slip me that, Mickey. There, you had to go there to get some paperwork. What yeah. paperwork at the federal lockup, Tommy? Uh, when I was joining the army, you have to get clearance from every agency, from New York City Police. You got to get it from the feds. You know, make sure you have no arrests or something like that. When you join the military, you have to get these things from the, the, the uh, Tommy, 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 how old are you, Tommy? Now I'm 56. Tommy, that's a long time ago, Tommy. That jail wasn't uh, even I, there. I joined when I was 31 years, 30 oh, years old. Okay. I think. All right. All right. I'll give you some slack there, Tommy. I'll give yeah. you some slack. I don't want I you do to feel you. like you got to take the fifth amendment, Tommy. No, I wouldn't take the fifth amendment. I've been arrested before. After I got out of the oh, <laughs> what, what, what'd you get arrested for? <laughs> Um, multitude of things. Let's just say that. Look, we got plenty of time. This is the other side of midnight. We could go through your whole rap sheet. Because I got the sense, Tommy. You know I got the sense. I'm street smart. That you've been in the joint. Not in the joint. No, I've been in, um, you know, local jails. Yeah, that's like me, too. I haven't been in a full-scale prison. I've been in a lot of jails all over the country. Uh, But you did some bad things, right, Tommy? Yeah, you you know, you hit somebody for the wrong reasons, you know. 
you know, some guy comes up to you, makes a comment. Some guy tries to hit you with a fucking taxi. Oops, I'm running. Sorry. Uh, some guy tries to hit you with a taxi, and you um, you, know, you jump on his car, and the guy gets out, and you beat the hell out of him. Now, hold on a second. You two have been haunted by taxis trying to hit you? Just this once. He was on the phone, and um, he uh, he must have not seen me or not known there was a red light, and I bumped, he bumped into me. I got pissed off, and I jumped on his car. Look, uh, I, I, I got to give you slack for that. You know how many times I've had problems with yellow cabs, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I understand your pain. I understand your pain, Tommy. But you didn't put you didn't you didn't pull your toolie out and pistol whip him, right? No, I, I you know I, I just got back from Iraq and I was he was a um, he had a turban on and I went a little nuts and the cops made the guys made me go to the PTSD unit. Hey, look, they had to do a little psych unit observation. I understand. You know, look, you were fighting for us. And let's face it, Tommy, you went over there. You're a strong American patriot. And they told you there were weapons of mass destruction. And you were still looking. We're still looking, Tommy. We're still looking. They're still looking. Yeah. What was it like yeah. over there? What was it like over there? Um. Well, I was a, I was a front gun truck gunner uh, in convoys and uh, patrols, and uh, uh, you know it was pretty bad in most times. You know, he, he had always constantly worried about getting blown up. I got hit four times with IEDs in my unit, and wow. um, lost a few guys. I got hit pretty bad, and, and I hurt. I broke my back, and I have a couple herniated discs. But other than that, I came back with all my limbs, and I'm happy that I came back. Tommy, you know? uh, when uh, when you were over there doing this duty and knowing as you're driving around that people weren't throwing flowers at you and welcoming you, like, with open arms, did you guys have a look at one another and say, you know, what was Cheney talking about? They're going to be welcoming us, the Shias, like liberators. Well, when, you, when we went up north uh, to Kurdistan, they were very good to us up there. Um, they, were all, they used to be a sovereign nation. Now they're split up between the four countries. And the Kurdistan. Kurdish, the Kurds liked us very much, and uh, the kids were great. We threw candy to them. We gave them everything. And uh, when you came back down south, it wasn't that way. You know, they were uh, very good. Uh, Could you tell the difference between the Shias and the Sunnis? I couldn't tell, no. But all you knew was they didn't like you. <laughs> well, you know, when, when they're shooting at you, you know, it don't really matter. <laughs> you know, when shooting at you, you shoot back. That's it. You know, that's how it works. Oh. Well, Tom, uh, you had every reason in the world to to uh, lose control of yourself, but you never did any time as a result of that. You just you had an anger management situation. Yes, a little bit of that, a little anger problem. Yeah. Now you know what happened. Now, you see, this is the difference. You served America in Iraq, not a, a favorite war of uh, this country, because I think people realized early on we got bamboozled. But imagine, here was P. Diddy, who took a champagne bottle, hit a producer twice in the head. He copped on an anger management uh, issue, and he had to go to remediation for, like, two classes in anger management. Did they send you to the P. Diddy classes? No, I had to go for, uh, I went for 90 days. Oh, wow. So they had had you in observation uh, for 90 days. Well, it was a PTSD program. You know, they, they teach you different ways to manage your anger and so forth and learn how not to have nightmares and, you know, manage your, uh, your feelings and so forth, you know. Well, you know, it Tommy, there are times, uh, even though I never served in the United States military, never served in combat, and I, I have some of those feelings 
from from early days in Canarsie with all the wise guys. I used to make up a list every day. These were the guys I wanted to kill every day. And the teacher, Mr. Topol, founded one. He said, what is that? I said, that's my kill list. He goes, why are, you, why are you writing it out? I said, because if I write it out, I probably won't do it. It's a great oh. relief of attendance. I said, these guys are trying to give me beatdowns. You understand, Mr. Topol? Uh, Mr. Topol really didn't understand that at all. He they, they didn't have a term for anger management issues back then. Uh, they said, you know, your marks are too good, or we'd have to send you down there four F with all my Supreme uh-huh. Cuisine cousins. No, I was in four A. You when you when you went down the alphabet list in class, they didn't have the term special ed then. Four F, and it wasn't because you washed out of the military because you had flat feet. But do appreciate that. I know that, Tommy. A lot of things you haven't heard of. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. All of you uh, amateur shrinks have an opportunity to bisect and dissect what that screwball, that kukulamunga Frank James had to say before he went on his shooting spree. Looking like a character of the Greenwich, (laughs) the village people. I can imagine him singing YMCA. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Wow. Frank James was on the highway from Milwaukee and Wisconsin to Ohio where he bought that piece from a pawn shop legally because he had never been convicted of any felony crimes. We're going to play that later on, all the litany of crimes he committed. And then to find out none of them were felonies. You would have thought that he was like, oh, he committed all kinds of crimes. Well, guess what? He qualified legally for a handgun that he used in the shooting in the subway system at 8.30 in the morning on 36th Street on a crowded end train filled with young adults going to school and obviously uh, working people. Dressed like one of the cast characters of the village people. And you need to know this. None of the cameras in that station or the station before, the station after were working. They haven't been working in years. I'd like to know who got that contract from the money-taking agency that just misuses all the money that we pour into their budget. And worse yet, he walked through Park Slope. He got on the train again, and apparently he was riding the train around dressed in the same costume for like 10 hours. How could they not find this guy? Anyway, uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Freddie in Flushing. Uh, it's your turn to be heard on the other side of midnight tonight with Curtis Slee with Freddie. How are you, Curtis? Big supporter of yours. I wish you would have won the election. Uh, we were pushing hard for you here in Flushing, pushing hard. But uh, hopefully you try again and you run. I really hope you do. You're, you're a big asset to our city, huge. Um, and what you did for years, I just want to throw this out here real quick. What you've done for us for years, the outside world doesn't know, and that's the unfortunate part. During, you know, uh, Guardian Angel era, they have no idea. I do. 
but they have no idea what you guys did and what the trains were like prior to what they're seeing now. So thank you for that, by the way. Appreciate that. Appreciate that, Freddie. And by the way, thank you, everyone, in Flushing, College Point, Bayside, Whitestone. They all voted for me overwhelmingly. There just weren't not enough of you. Unfortunately, it wasn't. And you know where we live. It's dark blue, but it's turning. I think if you go up again, I think you have a real genuine shot. I really hope you think about it. Thank you. Thank you. But I hope you do. All right, I have a question. I have a statement and a kind of – I'll make it quick. I have kind of like a question and a statement for you. I think uh, uh, the guy Frank James, I think it was a dry run. I don't think he snapped the way people are portraying it. I think that BLM pushed him over the edge. And what I mean by that, just very simply, and you're extremely intelligent. You see through the mist. I love that. I think that it pushed him so far to hatred, there was no coming back. As, but And that's when he went on the train. I don't think that he had this uh, just spur of the moment, you know, incident. I think this is something so bigger than that. A friend of mine told me that, that he has a manifesto. Now, that didn't hit the news yet. You're hearing it first. I'm telling you. He had a manifesto. And when that breaks, it's going to list everything in BLM. And the only, I can't stand Eric Adams, and this is my question I'm having for you. I think the only thing he said that I've ever heard a mayor say, he said that where is BLM now? I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Where is BLM now that people died? Why are they so quiet? This was about the shooting. So I give him credit for just saying that one line, although I think he's a Jay-Z wannabe. Other than that, I think he said something smart. I just want to ask your opinion on this question. I'm going on a little rant. but I No, 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 Freddie, feel free. Okay. Uh, you're making a lot of Freddie. cogent points. Uh, he is a Jay-Z wannabe, but... He goes. He was a horrible captain. I'm telling you, I know this firsthand. He was a hard. No, he was. He was the most hated captain there. Actually, was when he was on the job. All right, but Couldn't let's uh, let's him. let's look at his statement about Black Lives Matter. Now he says, "Where's Black Lives Matter when all these blacks are getting killed by other blacks?" Yes, that's right. That was the line. Correct. Right that, now, that, now that, I, I say that's... right. I say, but wait a second, Freddie. In the summer of 2020, yeah. I was out battling Black Lives Matter yeah. when they were rioting. He yeah. was supporting them and painting the murals on the street every day with Bill de Blasio. Remember, right in front of Trump yeah. Tower, all over I, the I city. Saw, yeah, I saw the pictures. So yes. and, it's uh, incumbent on him now to renounce them, not not just to say that, because he won't renounce them. He will not renounce suicide. them. He can't. He'll be political suicide. Well, no, he can't because his complexion is his protection. If a white guy like me did that, yes. you know, he, yes. he could. It, it's, it's racist. Well, wait a second. Remember, Benjamin Ward said we have a dirty little city. Actually, a a little secret, dirty little secret that we're not willing to discuss, which is the black on black crime. Now, Benjamin Ward said it as an African-American. If, let's say, a white police commissioner had said it, let's say like Ray Kelly or Chief Bratton, they would be called a racist. But the reality is, look, this guy is black. Colin Ferguson was black. The shootings the other night that uh, Mayor Adams were talking about, all the victims were black, all the shooters were black. There's a problem of black-on-black crime, period. Well, there's a problem, and that's that's the highest rate ever, and everybody tends to overlook that. But mainstream media, as you know, I don't have to tell you, I just want kind of some of your listeners to who really aren't grasping what's going on, is they'll bury the hatred he had. on. I saw his Facebook page, the Frank James Facebook page. I looked at all his memes. He had thousands of memes, all hate. 
They won't mention that because it doesn't fit their narrative. So this Colin Ferguson, you know, I live 20 minutes from Garden City. So Colin Ferguson, I was around at that time. You know, we didn't have, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all that. So kind of there was no, uh, you know, arguments or debates. This, they're burying it. This is now, you know, they won't talk about it other than a man who shot in the subway. They won't, unfortunately, say, you know, what he is, what color he is. And I'm not saying, if I say that, I'm racist because I'm white. You know, so we can't say certain things, and it's unfortunate. Well, in fact, I I was with uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, tonight, Michael Baricic. We were going over the signatures to qualify Andrew Giuliani to be able to run for uh, the Republican gubernatorial spot. And uh, I said, Rudy, you know, the New York Times gave you credit the other day because on your program here at WABC, Monday through Fridays from uh, 3 to 4, and then you can hear Rudy uh, 10 to 11 on Sundays, he, uh, on the day of the shooting, he gave the license plate number that the cops were trying to find, the U-Haul van, the Arizona plates. He read the license plate over the air, and one of the WABC listeners Rudy Giuliani listener who was having a cup of coffee right by West 4th and King's Highway where they found the van. A few cars ahead of him was the van. He said, oh, my God, that's the van. Rudy just read the license plate. And he called the police and the police immediately came in and cleared out the area. The New York Times gave credit to Rudy. I mean, that's back to back. <laughs> like two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, that was Hunter Biden's laptop. The New York Times said a year too late. Uh, and then all of a sudden on this one, Rudy's on a roll with the New York Times. Maybe they're figuring they have to, they have to make up. They have a lot to make up to Rudy, Mike Kumbadichic. But it's because of the power of WABC, ladies and gentlemen. It's because of all the people who listen to the number one news talk station in the nation, especially Rudy's show, the greatest mayor we've ever had in our lifetime. I uh, wish we knew which person it was who was listening. I would say it was West 4th and King's Highway. See, the Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian, Orthodox Jew, maybe, maybe a Chinese, maybe, who saw the license plate that Rudy was talking about, the Arizona plate, and he reminded everybody that every U-Haul van has Arizona plates because that's where they're registered. And the uh, the listener immediately contacted the police. So it was only a few cars ahead while he was having a cup of coffee listening to Rudy Giuliani in the afternoons exclusively here at WABC. Let's go to Mike calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, what's up, Curtis? You know, when this guy, when you hear Frank James starting to talk, I thought he was going into a, in a certain direction until he went dark. And basically that would be... What I've been saying with all my circle of friends, close friends all along, black, white, all colors, I've been saying, listen, don't let the good black name get hijacked by everything that's going on. Some of the things that break lots of mothers' hearts and kill a lot of black men is is the drug industry, right? But you don't see anybody protesting outside, you know, the local drug spot. Why? Because it's dangerous. So why would you mess with cops? That's dangerous. You know, when you go hiking up in Montana, they say carry bear spray. They give you all that. Hey, how about when you get stopped by a cop, put your hands on the steering wheel. You know what I'm saying? Do certain things. And usually the outcome, yeah, maybe there's a bad cop that treats you bad, but the outcome is 
isn't the outcome you keep ending up with when you start trying to run and fight. Anyway, bottom line is the good black people, you know, public sentiment right now is about, it, it, attention span is about three seconds. So they're running from one side of the ship to the other, to the other, to, to the ship, to the ship bellies up, you know, to the t- ship turns over. They, the, the, oh my God. Like I said, public sentiment is, is, is going against all the black thing and the good black name is being ruined by all this stupid stuff. You know, you can't put the world in the hands of stupid, you know? Anyway, you're, 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 no, you uh, said it brilliantly uh, because uh, both you, I, and so many others recognize that this is a very small percentage of the African-American population. Unfortunately, uh, instead of uh, demonizing them and vilifying them and saying, hey, look, you're, you're a danger to our own community because almost all the victims, all the victims you prey upon happen to be black. So you've got to be taken off the streets for the good, if nothing more than the black community that then bleeds over into every other community. So that was a brilliant statement. Now, up next, we're going to do something that you haven't heard on talk radio yet. You haven't seen on TV. You haven't read in the papers. Has anybody compared the crime committed by James? Has anybody compared it to what Colin Ferguson did in 1993? The similarities are stunning. It wasn't that long ago. Why is it that only Curtis Sliwa remembers the details of the Colin Ferguson shooting on the Long Island Railroad and sees how both these nut jobs, these screwballs who happen to be black, are very similar indeed? This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. <laughs> New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Greatest rap song ever made. The message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Right out of the Bronx. Broken glass everywhere. People pissing on the stage. You know they just don't care. I can't take the smell. Can't take the noise. Got no money to move out. I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room. By the way, Kid Creo was one of those original members of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five who did this uh, song, The Message, just years ago was arrested for killing a homeless guy. Took five years for there to be a trial. Generally, when it takes that long, you're hoping by staying in jail that witnesses or others might all of a sudden poof disappear but they did the kid creo was found guilty he will soon be sentenced boy did he hit hard times he was living in a single room occupancy hotel working as a maintenance guy all kinds of drug issues this guy was on top of the world with grandmaster flash and the furious five and you know what ate it up in the 80s like 
like it did most other groups and most other performers. Kukina, cocaine. Right up the schnoz. But great song and sets the tone for what no person in the media has made comparisons to. So from the moment that this screwball immediately started firing in that crowded train, smoke-filled, that we later found out was a result of him releasing smoke canisters on that end train as it rolled into 36th Street. When we saw what Frank James did, I immediately, immediately, I said in my, my head, when we heard an initial description, this sounds exactly like what Colin Ferguson did on the Long Island Railroad in 1993. Now, if any of you are out there, and it's not that long ago, and you remember the circumstances of Colin Ferguson, please feel free to give a call because I remember it like it was yesterday. And I'm going to recall the facts that I know. And based on what we know about Frank James and his rantings and ravings and his method of operation, and I'm sure more will come out in the following days now that he's in custody. The similarities with Colin Ferguson are striking. Both nut jobs, both school balls, both with serious emotionally disturbed problems, but very lucid. You heard some of those uh, YouTube uh, cuts uh, of Frank James in which he wasn't stumbling and bumbling and saying, you know what I mean, you know what I mean. Uh, He was cursing. But he was understandable, and some of them you could actually agree with. A few, not most, especially when he talked about getting on the E-train and all the homeless and the smelly people, so much so he had to hold his breath. So you know he's a real New Yorker. Even though he's been in Milwaukee and Wisconsin and he bought his gun legally in a pawn shop in Ohio because he never had any felony charges, although they make him out to seem like he had a rap record five miles long, not. And he got an Airbnb in Philly. He rented the van. This guy had a credit card. He wasn't in jail. Never been in jail. See, he doesn't fit what we commonly like to think of as a terrorist killer, or in this case, shooter. Colin Ferguson was a killer. He did far worse damage. 1-800-848-9222. If any of you can uh, sort of do a exorcism on your uh, memory cells and think back to the comparison between the Long Island Railroad gunman Colin Ferguson and this uh, screwball, James, 1-800-848-9222. See if my facts match yours. Every day in Penn Station, and remember, this is obviously long before the lockdown and pandemic that turned Penn Station into a ghost town. You'd have 700,000 people pour out of Penn Station each and every day, whether they were going off to work They were going shopping, going to the theater, just uh, roaming around the city. And then 700,000 people pour back into Penn Station to get on the uh, city subway system, the Amtrak, New Jersey Transit, or the Long Island Railroad. And it happened to be December 7th, the Christmas season of 1993. 
When Colin Ferguson, well-dressed, as he always was, the guy was always a well-dressed guy, well-spoken. He had grown up in Kingston, uh, Jamaica. Parents uh, were notables on the island, educators. He himself was an educator briefly in class. I mean, he spoke real well, and he was always dressed, always dressed meticulously. So he boarded the um, 5 o'clock rush hour train to Garden City. And he fit right in, even though he was the only person of color on the train. It was uh, almost all white people. Well-dressed, looked like he could have been coming from uh, an office building. Train pulls into Garden City, and as it pulls out, he has a gun in his bag. A legal gun, I might add, that he had purchased in California when he was briefly there. A legal gun. And then what happened was he started to walk down the aisle as if he was the uh, ticket taker. You know how they uh, click your tickets. And and he just meticulously starts shooting at all the people sitting down, men and women. Bang, 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 bang. All of them happen to be white. He killed six. He shot 19 others. And luckily, some of the passengers decided before he gets us, we're going to tackle him and hold him down. And they did. And he was screaming and screaming. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And an off-duty Long Island uh, police officer came onto the train and cuffed him. Now, think of that. That was the line that goes, if memory serves me correctly, from Penn Station to Hicksville. Eighty passengers were in that car. They're packed. And uh, he had two 15-round magazines. And he was just clipping, clipping people left and right. He had planned this execution of those passengers for a full week. He had uh, filled in a diary and he said, I'm going to get those white people. I'm going to get those white people. The reason, because of racism by Caucasians and because of what he described as Uncle Tom Negroes. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I remember what really triggered him off is he had been on the number one train. And a woman... A white woman would not move over to give him the seat that he desired, and he just started uh, mouthing a lot of yin-yang to her, ended up bumping her, and the uh, transit cops came on. There were transit cops back then, uh, you know, visible on the trains and this, <laughs> the platforms. And they arrested him. And he recalled that she was a filthy white woman, and he wanted revenge for that. Plus, he wanted revenge against the New York State Workers' Compensation Board because they had not awarded him uh, on an injury uh, uh, that he claimed that he had gotten on the job. He wanted Asians. He uh, hated Governor Mario Cuomo. Well, I hated Governor Mario Fachabrota Cuomo. It doesn't mean I go out and try to cap him. And uh, he hated all corrupt black attorneys who he said tried to steal his car. Ha. Oh, now his rationale, ladies and gentlemen, the similarities here are so incredibly similar. And none of you seem to remember this. This is 1993. Well, this is the Frank Morano audience, right? Come on. 
I should have known. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So the question should be, why didn't he just start shooting them in Penn Station? He said, this is his own words. I wanted to show respect to David Dinkins. So I waited till we were outside of New York City before I went on the rampage. This is what he told the detectives of the Nassau County Police Department who initially interviewed him. And he was like uh, talking. He was not taking the Fifth Amendment. He was not saying, hey, you know, uh, you got to talk to my attorney. And he showed no remorse. 1-800-848-9222. Came from a good family, as I told you, in Kingston, Jamaica. He had taught class himself. He went to Adelphi University. You know how much that costs? What is that like? God, that's like about $40,000, $45,000 a year now. Almost, almost at Ivy League level. Almost at NYU level. And he majored in business administration and did very well. But when he was in Adelphi, he would speak out in class against coexistence with whites. He'd come in, he'd sit down. Remember, he's meticulously dressed. Speaks the Queen's English because he was raised in Kingston, uh, Jamaica. Wealthy parents. And he would say, I refuse to sit in this class with white people. And they didn't uh, they didn't suspend him. They didn't expel him. They just said, well, you know, let's work with him. So they had a speaker from South Africa, a black woman who had lived during apartheid and was speaking about how things were changing in South Africa with Nelson Mandela uh, being elected the uh, first leader, the first black leader. And so he stands up in the middle of her lecture in front of 400 people in the uh, Adelphi Auditorium and he says, your problem is you need to get rid of white people and kill everybody white. Uh. <laughs> and then he said there needs to be a black revolution here in America. That's what got him suspended from Adelphi. Although they took his tuition money. They didn't give it back. So he moves to Flatbush, predominantly Caribbean neighborhood. So he felt a little more comfortable. And he told uh, the landlord, who was Caribbean too, West Indian, that white people were holding him back. And that he just got sick and tired of constantly having white people keep him down. So the landlord thought that his crews were loose, even though meticulously dressed, spoke to Queen's English. And... Uh, he started a report to the police, I believe at the 7-0 precinct uh, camp, they call it uh, uh, Camp Tombstone there, that his, uh, his tenant, Colin Ferguson, was acting a bit bizarre. He was taking five showers a day using all the hot water. And he was screaming at the top of his lungs, black people kill all white people, black people kill all white people, black people kill all white people. Did the cops at the 7-0 precinct in Flatbush do anything? Nah. They just said another kukulamunga. What are we going to do? Taking the Kings County nearby for a psychiatric observation? So they passed on that. So he decided, you know what? I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. So he goes to California. He's looking for a job. 
and he goes to um, an automobile uh, dealership. And he remembers, he asked for a job. You know, he had a good resume, spoke to Queen's English, dressed Natalie, and that the white general manager laughed at him. I'm sure anybody would have laughed at him because he was musing about white devils and stuff. But that's where he bought a legal handgun, and then he came back to New York, and you know pretty much the rest of the story. He decided he was going to get at as many different white people as he could, and he actually told the cops, well, why did you pick the Long Island Railroad? You didn't live out in Garden City. You didn't live out uh, at the end of the line in Hempstead. Why did you decide to take the Long Island Railroad? So because that's where you find white people. <laughs> Especially going to Garden City. Remember, that was 1993. It was right. So he gets locked up, and he's in the Nassau County Jail. And the county DA at the time, I remember him, was Dennis Dillon. And uh, he got to represent him free of charge. William Kunstler and Ron Kuby, the team that would handle any radicals, any enemies of America. And they said, no, 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 we're not asking any money. Uh, They sat down with him. Uh, He had been attacked uh, in jail by white inmates. So they were concerned about him, and they launched a black rage defense. A black rage defense, which was based on a book that was written in 1968. He said, black rage defense, he goes, why why would you want to do a black rage defense? I didn't do it. Somebody else did it. They said, no, no, Colin, you did it. There's documentary evidence. There's no film back then. Nobody had cell phones, no photos. But you got all these witnesses who said, you did it, Colin. And you confessed to the police. He goes, no, I didn't do it. Somebody else did it. I had no idea who did it. So he fired Kuby and Kunstler. He said, I'm not doing a black rage defense. And so they went before the judge and they said, look, he's mentally unfit. You got to have an insanity defense for this guy. And the guy came up, Colin Ferguson, and he said, I want these two guys fired because other people did it. And you know what trial was going on simultaneously to the Colin Ferguson trial? Let's see if there are anyone, if there's anybody out there who can connect the dots. What was the trial going on at that time that had national ramifications that was racially tinged? Black versus white. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And if anybody happens to remember what trial was going on simultaneously to the Colin Ferguson trial in Nassau County uh, Court, they will win a Curtis Sliwa booby prize. The rules and regulations are you don't ask. I won't tell you. I'm too cheap. I throw nickels around like manhole covers. You will get some belly button lint, and then I will hermetically seal it in an envelope multiple times uh, with uh, scotch tape, and then send it to your COD, where it's cash on delivery. You have to pay for it. Who was on trial at the very same time as Colin Ferguson that had national, no, make that international ramifications? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, my God, this is a slow audience. This is the Frank Morano audience. You can't figure this out. It was taking place in Los Angeles. 
1-800-848-9222. The judge's name was Ito. Do I need to give you any more clues? Oh, my God. This is the Frank Murano audience. Oh. Huh? It's not the Sliwa audience, you know, uh, another side of midnight that you can catch in uh, just about less than 24 hours. Saturday night going in, excuse me, Friday night going in and Saturday morning, 12 to 6. And then uh, Saturday night going into Sunday morning, 12 to 6. I don't know. It just appears that those listeners are slightly more scholarly. Look, there's not one person who's called who knows what I'm talking about. And they're going to get 10 questions in uh, one minute and win $1,000? No wonder why they can never win these prices. 1-800-848-9222. Now let's get back to the Colin Ferguson case. So Colin, Colin Ferguson says, I don't want any other lawyers. I've had it with Kunstler. I've had it with QB. There's no black rage defense. I didn't do it. So the judge says, you know, only a fool has himself... As a lawyer, he says, call me a fool. I want to represent myself. And you remember, he actually cross-examined the people that he shot in court. Colin Ferguson would say, "Uh, excuse me, ma'am, would you be kind enough to tell us, do you see the person in this courtroom who shot you? And the victim from the witness stand would say, yes, I do. Could you please point to that person? And she would say, it was you. He would say, are you sure it was me? Yes, it was you. And this went on and on. And this this trial was on court TV. Court TV every day. Even though there was another trial taking place simultaneously that had national and international ramifications in which Judge Ito was presiding. Do I need to give any more... Do I, do I really need to give any more tips to this audience? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-ABC. Let's go to JR in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on the other side of midnight tonight. Instead, with Curtis Sliwa. JR. Oh, a breath of fresh air sometimes, Curtis. I'm not going to lie to you. I am a big Frank guy, but it is always nice to hear your voice. So... Uh, you touched on the fact that he went out to Long Island because he'd be able to hit more white people. Also, he was, uh, I remember at the time, he would be able to have more mass casualties because 1993, New York City, a lot of people care not to remember how insane it was here, how bad it was in New York City. Someone on a New York City MTA train would have ended up shooting or stabbing him before he got the three or four victims. Well, no, 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 that, uh, J.R., that is not correct. Uh, He had shot and killed six. He uh, shot, I believe, uh, 16 others. And then a group uh, jumped him and held him down until an off-duty Long Island cop came on and cuffed him. JR didn't seem to know the answer to that trivia question. Wow. Man. Whew. I don't know what more to say. I don't know what more to say. I just have to accept it. 
I have to accept it. Let's go to Trucker Bobby in Hackensack. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, uh, Trucker Bobby. Hey, Chris, were we talking about the OJ trial? Yes. Yes, you got it. Of course. Hey, buddy. uh, Finally, finally. I'm not real familiar with the uh, Bernard Getz story. Maybe if you got time, you could tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yes. I don't know what uh, happened to him and, and what was the result that was and uh i was just curious you know one well there was a situation here where you had bernard getz he still lives at the same location 14th street and 6th avenue in an apartment at that time uh, by himself he lived in in that apartment and he would do adjustments to satellites he was contracted to do that by uh nyu so he was a brainiac but he was like a real geek so every Saturday he would go down and talk to his other geek friends at some kind of shop, you know, in which uh, they all read Popular Mechanics and asked questions of one another. You know, that was their fun. You know, guys who had pocket uh, pen holders and they had the tape uh, on their eyeglasses, you know, real nerds. But he had been mugged once before at Delancey Street And he had been thrown through a plate glass window by some black guys who wanted his leather jacket. And he had determined at that time, uh, Trucker Bobby, that that would never happen again. So he went up to uh, New Hampshire to learn um, reactive shooting. So he went up there where it's live free or die, where everybody wants to carry a gun. uh, And he practiced this uh, basically military style shooting, reaction shooting. So he had an illegal handgun, and that's what he carried wherever he went. And one day, he's on that number two train, leaving 14th Street. He's going down to City Hall, where the shop with all the other nerds and the popular mechanics uh, uh, men were. Uh, And these four guys surround him. And they just happen to be always working the number two train coming out of uh, the West, the East Bronx. They, they were always there. They had sharpened screwdrivers, which they would break into the uh, phone booths at that time. Remember, the pay phone booths, and they'd steal the quarters, and then they'd go to the arcade machines and play down on the deuce. But most times they'd get on a train, and they would do a clockwork orange. They would surround somebody, and they would scare the living bejeebers out of them. So you can imagine, here are these four thuggish black guys. I'm going to try to remember their name real quick. Troy Canty, James Ramsour, probably the worst, uh, Barry Allen, and uh, Cavey, Daryl Cavey. So they're surrounding him. One of them asked him a question. He knew what was going to happen next. They were going to clock him, and he'd be seeing stars. So he pulls out his pistol, and he shoots all four. Bang, 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 bang. Naturally, one of them tries to run through the uh, the uh, steel uh, wall to try to uh, escape the bullet. They all get shot. But then he sees Daryl Cabey on the ground, and he says, you don't look so bad. Bang! And he puts a fifth shot in his back. He runs through the car. He runs into the tunnel. He escapes. And uh, all you see is a silhouette on the newspapers the next day describing that this uh, white guy, uh, this vigilante gunman, uh, you know, shot these four blacks who were trying to mug him, and he was a hero. He was an instantaneous hero, even though he was on the lam. Nobody knew who it was until all of a sudden Al Slim Shady Sharpton jumped in and said, wait, we have four victims here, one who was shot two times, one in the back, and then he he made it into a racial situation. And so now it was pinning blacks versus whites. Uh, others got involved. 
and so uh, nobody knew where he was. And then eventually he turned himself in in New Hampshire, was brought back, extradited to New York, and all hell broke loose. Uh, he had a few struggles initially with attorneys. They weren't doing him uh, quite well. He was giving interviews to Geraldo Rivera, to Barbara Walters that didn't really serve him well. Uh, and then you actually saw the interrogation tape that the uh, police had uh, given him when he was first arrested. And you could see how angry he was that he wasn't going to be victimized again. So uh, he finally got good representation, uh, Barry Slotnick uh, and his uh, partner. And they were able to uh, win a criminal trial against Morgenthau's top DA, who was uh, Waples. Uh, and uh, he got convicted on only one charge by the jury that uh, exonerated him on all the other charges, and that was possession of an illegal handgun. He did seven months in Rikers Island in Punk City Protective Custody. He's been out of jail, never been in trouble since, walks around. He uh, collects squirrels out of Washington Square Park who live in his apartment. One time he uh, hit up on an undercover policewoman in Washington Square Park, said, hey, you want to you smoke a doob with me? He pulled out the doob and he got arrested for that. He got a ticket. But that's it. He hasn't been Jesus. in trouble since. Jesus Christ, Curtis. You're like an alpha. You don't forget shit. I'm sorry. You don't forget anything. Well, no, we actually uh, provided uh, security for Bernard Getz uh, in the initial stages because he was getting bum-rushed by everybody. I mean everybody, uh, not just people who were out to hurt him, but just people who were out to dissect him and bisect him and not let him have any peace of mind. So people trying to exploit him, tr- people trying to use him, people trying to hurt him, people vilifying him, saying he was a racist, which he's not, never has been. In fact, uh, he was one of the first participants, uh, Trucker Bobby, in the annual pot parade. This is when the the whole notion of legalizing the recreational use of uh, marijuana was considered uh, hedonistic, uh, demonic. Uh, and he's participated in that, parole, uh, that uh, parade every year, although after the shooting... People kept their distance from him in the parade. They said, if he wants to march in front, <laughs> let him march two blocks ahead. I mean, I was there one time with my wife, Nancy. We were in Washington Square Park. They were having this big rally. So here's Bernard Getz. He comes up to me. Uh, the older people knew who he was and were, like, moving away, like, scared. Uh, the younger people had no idea. I remember going to the Marriott Hotel. There was a rally for the libertarian candidate who was running against Donald Trump and Hillary in 2016. I was there to hear him. And there was uh, uh, Bernard Goetz uh, with the biggest joint you've ever seen in your life. It was like a five-foot joint advocating the legalization of the recreational use of marijuana. And look, it's now legal in most places. Yep. Well, like I said, thanks for... uh Reminding me of that story. Uh, I tell you, things are getting so bad these days. The crime is so bad and it's so scary out there. You know, I'm a little bit younger than you. And, you know, race relations were getting so much better uh, for years. Everything was moving in a good forward direction. And it just seems like lately we're such a divided country. And a lot of people are carrying, and it's, you know, they'd rather be like Bernard Getz. They'd rather be, you know, judged judged by 12 instead of carried by 6. 
is what they always say. But uh, well, you may I have you may have had a similar situation, although nowhere near nowhere near as uh, violent. Uh, apparently, a young teenager down on the Lower East Side was on Orchard Street yesterday at about three o'clock. Went into a store, uh, shoplifted some products. Uh, the merchant or one of the workers came out, got into a fight with him, and ended up stabbing the shoplifter. I don't believe the merchant or the person who worked in the store was arrested. The New York City Police Department is not giving out any details. But if it's as is stated, if this young man went into this store with the purpose of shoplifting and shoplifted, and then the merchant and the worker ran after him to try to get their goods back, and he resisted, and he got stabbed, tough noogies! That's the price you pay when you walk into somebody's establishment and you try to rob them because there's so small margins in these retail establishments. You're only talking nickels, dimes, pennies. And somebody's going to walk in there with an Alvin Bragg swag bag. That's the Manhattan DA who does not prosecute shoplifters. you got to take uh, matters into your own hands. So that pretty much gets you up to date on what might end up being the story of the day if, in fact, those uh, those uh, those stats that I just talked about in terms of this uh, stabbing of a shoplifter turn out to be true. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Glory, Haliaski, hallelujah. Uh, one of Frank Morano's listeners, it took him like a month of Sundays, actually figured out uh, that it was the OJ case that was taking on simultaneous to the Colin Ferguson case in Nassau County in Long Island. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Nothing but a G thing. Nothing that Frank Morano would know anything about. You know, he's a Rudy Valley guy. Brother, can you spare a dime? Although he's on a roll. Why do you think he took uh, this shift off and actually he's off Saturday and Sunday? Because he's been given a three-day extravaganza, all expenses paid in Atlantic City, which he... uh, he has a show, uh, what, one a half hour uh, each week, dedicated to uh, promoting how all of you should go to Atlantic City and lose your money. And then all of a sudden, when the new budget came out and said that um, the Racino and Aqueduct could now have gaming, normal gaming, as could the Yonkers Racetrack Racino have normal gaming, and that New York City was entitled to have another live active casino. Frank Morano railed against that, said, I'd lose all my money just walking out the door. They can't do that. I'm like, what? What? Are you shilling for Atlantic City? It reminded me of what Bob the Torch Torricelli did, congressman in New Jersey, to protect Donald Trump at that time, the mogul who owned three, count them, three casinos in Atlantic City. Anytime a native Indian tribe emerged and said, hey, Bureau of Indian Affairs, according to the federal laws, we're entitled to have a casino on our land. Bob the Torch Torricelli would say in congressional hearings, prove that you're native Indians, indigenous people. Let's do a DNA test. Frank Morano has become now a shell. 
for Atlantic City. So what's the difference uh, if you get ripped off in New York City or you get ripped off in Atlantic City? You're a lot closer. You could take the sub. Oh, no, you can't take the subway home. You might get shot and killed. You need a bulletproof body condom the way things are. In the next hour, we're going to talk about all of that. The crime that is skyrocketing in New York City in the subways. The fact that uh, most of the cameras that millions of dollars have been spent by us, the sucker taxpayers, are not working in the subway system. And that the city and the state are going back at one another instead of working with partnership. It almost reminds me when de Blasio was the mayor and Cuomo was the governor, how they constantly argue. This time, it's the Adams administration saying, you need to fix the cameras. And it's the MTA chairman saying, you need more cops in the subways. You would think they would sit down together and say... Man, we need more cops, but we need better cameras. Ah, let's work with one another because when we criticize one another, nothing gets done. We'll talk about it in the next hour. And then remember, if, you, if you're still around, because my job is to keep you wired up and awake, you can consider this the four-hour Red Bull show. You get the one hour of news from 5 to 6, and then guess what? It's not going to be Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg this morning. Uh, they are being substituted for, naturally, you have Bernard saying, hey, I'm a good Catholic, you know, no meat today, no pro-. And all of a sudden, Sid Rosenberg is Mr. Pesach, the Passover kid. So that means our owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, will be in here with Lydia Serrani. That will be the morning team from 6 to 10. And then before you know it, I'll be back and do it all over again with the normal Curtis Sliwa. Another side of midnight. By the way, you get a chance to see me styling and profiling. I am lens lice, as everybody knows. But to date, uh, I have been dot TV. And you can see the red blazing, red beret, red sateen jacket. Let's go to the phones. It's Eric calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eric. Hey, Curtis. It's Eric from Patterson. How you doing? Ah, now, the fourth ward or the first ward? Up the hill or down the hill? Up the hill, first ward. Okay, all right. Now I know where you're from. Hey, you think this guy that shot up all those people in the uh, trains, he's really crazy? That was pretty good planning on his part, don't you think? Oh, no, I think uh, in the next hour I'm going to go into this. This was like amateur hour, but it just shows you how bad our public safety is and the coordination with the MTA and the NYPD. No, it's not as... He's not sophisticated at all, Eric. Yeah. But no. don't you think the FBI also didn't realize what was going on on the Internet? They're, they're trying to get all this white supremacy, supposedly, and they and they didn't see what he was doing on the Internet and what he was saying, what he was planning? Eric, Eric, you got to understand, we have free speech in America. Now, I haven't listened to all of his rants, but we played quite a few of them in the last hour. There was nowhere in those rants that he was threatening death and destruction against anybody. You have a right to rant and rave in America. Come on, like that? Well, it sounded like he what wanted did, to do some harm. What did he say? You see, nobody is listening. Nobody has listened to the tapes. Nobody has listened to YouTube. He is making general statements. He's not threatening any individual. And, then he, and the FBI didn't have him on the radar, at least, to, keep, to see what was going on. 
Well, what are They're they going to find, find white supremacy? Are they crazy? I, I understand that. Supremacy. But, Eric, if you went up to YouTube and you started watching all all videos that people post, because remember, you can post your own videos, you're going to hear a lot of crazy stuff. But it's it's not necessarily threatening anybody's life. You don't you don't have grounds to all of a sudden go to somebody's house, knock on their door because you made a general statement. That's freedom of speech. Do do, do you want the government now watching everybody's videos? Mm. Algorithms. No, they no, have no, no. remember they have programs, and then all of a sudden you get you get dragged in. You say, "What? Well, wait a second. Uh, what happened to freedom of speech? It's a dangerous, slippery slope. Now, it may well turn out that some of his YouTube tapes did specifically threaten people. But there's nothing to suggest that at this point. It's all The mayor said it. Well, you know, they should have been uh, listening. Do you realize how few FBI agents there are in this country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have enough cops. We don't have enough cops. They took a billion dollars out of our budget. We have more cops in New York City than there are FBI agents all over America. Right. Right. All yeah, right they're dude. defunding the police nice and quiet, too. They're, they're, they might be saying they're not defunding the police, but they're doing it oh, quietly. They, they, they did it openly. Yeah. They did it openly, and nobody ever returned the billion dollars. Eric Adams hasn't said he'll return the billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are defunded. If you have less money to run the police department a billion less dollars, you're going to have less police. You take a billion dollars out of any business. Think of it as a business. Are you going to be as effective without a billion dollars as if you put that billion dollars back? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from Bayside. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Mike. Hey, Curtis, um, you were asking earlier about similarities between Frank James and Colin Ferguson. And uh, to, to me, obviously, the most glaring one, it's, it's, and it does jump out at you. These were both mentally unstable people uh, with mental health issues. Now, uh, bear with me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not excusing any of them. Uh, and, in fact, I want to throw a third one in. Uh, a fellow uh, a few years back um, was also mentally unstable. and being fed a steady diet of identity politics, grievance politics, uh, following that siren song, which pray, this whole ideology preys on people who are weak-minded, people with afflictions, but like these guys, uh, the, the, the guy that came up and shot officers Ramos and Lou, if you recall, Correct. Uh, he, he was also in the same boat. Um, so these guys, and they're well-spoken, they are articulate, they are mentally ill. They're crazy. <laughs> uh, and well, you had that that guy that you mentioned uh, who shot uh, the two officers yeah. who came up from Baltimore. You yeah. also had recently the two police officers were slain by the guy who uh, his mother went down in Harlem. She had been a, a correctional captain. I attended one of those funerals. Right. Uh, I, I yeah. And uh, she brought her her older son up. Uh, who had purchased, again, a legal gun and then had an illegal gun. So he had the legal gun and the illegal gun. She brought him up because she said, I can't handle your younger brother alone. He has some uh, issues. And yeah. she, she brought this guy up, who is a hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, so, so I'm, I'm just saying that there, there, there is a cost to to uh, our media that bombards us with a false narrative of of, of uh, division and grievance and, and 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 this preposterous identity politics, which, as you know, it, it replaces personal responsibility. If, and all these people that they blame outward forces for all their shortcomings and failures, and. The, I, I'm, I'm not saying we should do away with this. I, I just do think we should call it out for what it is, for, for, for to, to say it's useless, to say that it preys on weak-minded people, and to, to, to say that it doesn't do America any good. Uh, and it, it hurts people, and people do get killed. So uh, I, I just wanted to point out that similar. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's an excellent point. But then again, there's a lot of money to be made with racial politics, dividing and separating people. That uh, That's always a way for people to make money, make careers, establish uh, their own uh, bully pulpit as a result of that. Look, it's very simple. If you're out in the street and there's two white guys fighting or there's two black guys fighting, eh, it'll get some crowd. But if you had a white guy fighting a black guy in the street, watch. You have a uh, heavyweight championship fight, a white guy and a black guy. Watch. Watch the crowd. There are always those dynamics that pull people in. And unfortunately, it's not changing from generation to generation. There are people who come up and they exploit these situations for various reasons. Let's go to Evans calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Evans. Hey, Curtis, you know, I used, to, I used to see you and Lisa walking through Tompkins Square Park back in the 70s and the 80s. Now, listen, man, you're right on the money. Now, here's what's funny to me. This whole thing is fishy. Uh, see, you're a city guy. You know what's going on. I'm from Westchester. I'm from White Plains. But here's the thing. The, you know, this guy's lawyered up immediately. He has no record. He turns himself in. And you are correct about the racial politics. They lay stuff down right at the right time to cause the racial division. I believe somehow this guy, he's already lawyered up. Where did he get the money? You know what I'm saying? So it's like uh, the fix is always in, Curtis. You know that. It's always in. So we have to find out and follow the money because that's where it is. Because these people are just causing mayhem and destruction. They've messed up this city. It's been, I'm 74 years old, and I have, these people are the worst racists that I have ever been around, man. They have no shame to their game, Curtis. You're absolutely okay. right. You're absolutely right, but. Uh... You know what? I refuse to be walked off the sidewalk. I don't care if you're 500 feet tall. I refuse. If I'm on my right side and God gives me the God-given right to put one foot in front of the other and you impede my progress, I think I'm going to run you over. <laughs> Either that or you're going to bump chests. Oh, 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 I call that a shoulder football. Are you kidding me? Now, see, let me tell you something, Curtis. I'm in the street every day. I write poetry every day of my life because I chronicle my life in the streets of New York. And people should actually read my poetry because it's prophetic. Now, I'm not going to say my name or anything like that, but uh, these people 
are diabolical in the way they treat blacks under the radar, sir. Everywhere you go, especially the black men, because we got some sense, Curtis. You know that. Oh, there's no doubt. You know? There's no doubt. I worked all my life. You know, we hustlers, and we're good hustlers because we work, man. The people that want to work, and everybody wants to work and take care of their kids, man. If everybody had a job, Curtis, it wouldn't be this bullshit. Now, when I was young, I worked at the community center. I got a stipend. And what do you do with young kids in the summertime? If you don't do anything with them, they're going to get in trouble, man, just like I did. So you give them a job and put a little money in their pocket so they can party and take their girlfriends out. Am I crazy? No. No, either that. Well, that's what it is here, man. Either that or you you send them away to camp, remember, so they can get out of the city. I went to PAO camp, and it's like outside Rikers Island. It was something. You had a ball, though. No, no, it was, yeah, look, the fresh, uh, the fresh Air Fund, you went to PAL Summer Camp, they had uh, Catholic uh, right. CHSL Camp. These were great. They would take you out, and you'd be in a place in which there was nobody around. Hey, man, PAL was, New Jersey's beautiful, man. New Jersey is beautiful, because we used to eat the pears, the deer used to come up, the raccoons, you know, and, and, if, and you know, all the city kids. Now, like I said, I'm from Westchester, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I'm a foster kid. But at any rate, so you know, uh, I was also in Millbank when I was younger because my uh, my set of uh, adopted parents they died. So me and my brother went into Millbank when it was up in Valhalla back in the fifties. Mm, mm. Now, if you did something wrong up in there, you know. I was about six or seven years old. I'm going to tell you some stories like you, man. There's a cat. I, I, we had a bunk. We had a, a room, of, you know, with about 15 people in it, maybe 25 from, from seven. I was the youngest guy in there to about 14. Everybody that came through that door had to fight Mr. Louis Senefonte. I had the first bunk there. Now, I was too small to fight Louis, thank God. And he liked me. <laughs> Louis Senefonte kicked everybody's ass while I was there, man. <laughs> Nobody could beat him. I wish I could find him. Now, when you were in Valhalla, did you ever see that? Da- right. Did you ever see that dam there that always like hung way? I at that dam. We used to climb up the wall of the dam, man. No, I know, but you look at that dam and you say, if that dam ever broke, forget yeah, about everything underneath there. It's so beautiful, man. Yes, it is. We grew up there, man. We used to ice skate up in the plaza. We used to ice skate all up and down the Bronx River because it used to freeze over in there. The water used to freeze over. And we would ice skate for a quarter of a mile, man, next to the parkway, man. We had a ball when we were kids, man. And then, you know, my brother used to take me to the Apollo every weekend. We used to get on that train, the uh, Harlem train, and come downtown for 90 cents, man. That's how much it costs, round trip. And me and my brother would stand on line every Saturday, and we saw everybody, man. We saw Frankie Lyman, James, you name him, I saw him. Oh, Frankie, Frankie Lyman, oh. Yo, man, listen, Frankie Lyman was uh, Michael Jackson before Michael Jackson yeah. with with a little more style. Frankie Lyman and the teenagers, and, unfor- and unfortunately, he became a, a strung-out dope fiend. Well, guess what? I used to cop right next door to his grandmother's house where he died on 167th Street and Edgecombe Avenue. Hmm. We used to go up there and cop. It's, it's, you know, I'm so lucky to be alive, man. And, uh... You know, see, the thing is is that, you know, we have wisdom and knowledge, 
and they don't want it because they're trying to mess everybody up. We have wisdom and knowledge. Well, just having survived climbing up the stone dam at Valhalla. Oh, but you, you, but you had to punk out at a certain time. You couldn't go up that thing, Of man. course. It was like concave, you know what I'm saying? So of course. If you, went up, if you went up too high, man, you, you, you look back, you would get kill yourself, man. You'd fall. Well, you know, interesting, uh, Evans, that I was up in Valhalla for an annual Polish-American festival. And I finished second in the Polish polka dance contest. And a lot of the actual Poles who were there, who were immigrants from Poland, obviously they love dancing Polish polkas. I, I, I didn't like dancing Polish polkas. I like doing other dances. I finished second. Now, a lot of people say they ginned up the ballots because everybody knew I was part Polish-American. Oh, we got we to gotta put Curtis number two, not number one. I should have been the first place winner. And plus, then I competed in the pierogi eating. <laughs> I finished first in that. And then uh, I ran out of gas when it was the kielbasa uh, eating uh, contest. Oh, it was great, Valhalla. I thought for sure if that dam broke up in Westchester, that's it. The, west of, the rest of Westchester south of that is going to be flooded out. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Mike, who's calling from Morris County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? Great job, as usual. I just want to point out something you might have missed with the Colin Ferguson case, because I remember that just like you did when that happened. I was working in the city at the time, and I remember that happening. I was... Uh, I was going, I was doing sales, and I remember hearing that on the radio. In those days, you know, there was no Internet, or there was no way to check your phone or anything. But during the trial, Ferguson said the whole thing was rigged against him because there were 93 total counts against Ferguson, and he claimed that the only reason he got 93 counts against him was because it was the year 1993. And they took the, they took the year that the crime occurred and then created the number of counts, because he claimed nothing happened and he didn't do anything. So somebody once even said on the, on the air, they, so if he had done this in the year 2000, then he would have had no counts against him. <laughs> so Wait, know, but think so of this that. guy acting what? as his own attorney claims that 93 counts were because it happened in the year 1993. Right, so but, think, but think of it. He told the detectives who sweated him out after they arrested him that the reason he waited for the Long Island Railroad train to right. get out of Penn Station to head in its direction towards Garden City is he didn't want to kill anybody in New York City, which would reflect poorly on David Dinkins, our first African-American mayor. Yeah, I remember him saying he didn't want to embarrass Dinkins. That's why he waited till he got into Long Island. So it was I, – I mean, I think this is one of the biggest uh, racially charged cases I can recall. And you're right. It was during the O.J. Simpson trial, which was pretty funny because – I'll tell you another thing. I remember people saying at the time on the air that, that the judge in the Colin Ferguson case, a judge uh, was very good, and he was very serious, and they said they wished that the Judge Ito was more like that guy in the Ferguson case because he didn't allow anything to go wrong in that trial. I mean, he didn't, he didn't let the, the lawyers get out of control. He kept a tight lid on the case. It was very matter-of-fact. He was a great judge, and that trial would have been done. I mean, he was convicted. He was wrong, and it was done correctly, and I think that <clears throat> you bringing that up was a good thing because I do remember that, and it does have a lot of parallels to the current case with this Frank James. Yeah, and you would have thought, you would have thought, Mike, 
you know, we see 10 people shot. Thank God nobody died. That they weren't really seriously injured where they're going to be impaired for the rest of their life, paralyzed. The Colin Ferguson shooting. He walked up and down that car in Garden City at the Long Island Railroad. There were 80 people in there. He shot and killed six. He shot 16 others, injuring them seriously. Some have not been able to recover physically from their serious wounds. And you would have thought, with all the newscasters, commentators, everybody talking about this screwball, Frank James, that somebody would have said, hey, we had something even worse occur back in 1993 by Colin Ferguson, who rejected the black rage defense of Kunstler and Kuby. 77 This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. just went through a whole panoply of shooters who have come into our city to try to commit death and carnage, sometimes to uh, police, sometimes to city citizens. As we saw with Frank James, who shot 10. As uh, I recall for all of you, a similar situation involving Colin Ferguson in 1993 who shot and killed six, injured 16 others, shooting them on a crowded Long Island Railroad train that had left Penn Station and had stopped in Garden City. And his rationale was, well, I knew there'd be more white people uh, going to Garden City. So that's why I shot them. And then we talked about the crazed uh, African-American who came up from Baltimore to kill two cops. Uh, during the de Blasio administration and the crazed uh, individual brought up by his mother from outside of Baltimore who killed two cops at the start of the um, of the uh, Eric Adams administration. So there have been rampant shootings. And the question is, what is going to be done? Well, a number one. The mayor of the city of New York, uh, who has not been able to leave uh, his confines because uh, he has COVID-19, made the announcement uh, just yesterday in which it reverberated around the city, around our state of New York, around the Northeast region, around the country and around the world, that we got him. My fellow New Yorkers, we got him, we got him, we got him. We got it. We got it. We got it. All right. The problem we have here, by the way, if you go to WABCradio.tv, you could see a picture of uh, Mayor Eric Adams. 
to please get one in which he has a mask on. I mean, he does have COVID-19. He is restricted in terms of his movement. And uh, I have not gotten COVID-19. I should have been the one person to get COVID-19 of everybody here in the city of New York since the lockdown um, and the pandemic of 2020. I've dealt with emotionally disturbed homeless people. Luckily, I haven't gotten it. So please, uh, do you think you can tell our uh, our uh, visual aid crew back there? Remember, they were always the nerds in high school, right? <laughs> the visual aid They'd have a page in the yearbook, you know. Oh, those were the dope smokers, uh, definitely. The AV Club, Visual Aid, I called it. God, you knew those were all the dopers in school. You look at that, the yearbook uh, club, remember the newspaper, the debate crew, the debate club, right? Oh, yeah. Stoners. Then you had all the jocks. But anyway, I digress here. It's interesting because... Whereas the mayor rightfully was jumping up and down, we got him, we got him, we got him. The police didn't necessarily want to give credit right away to the guy who really got him, Zach. In fact, they said that, believe it or not, Frank James, who had gone to the Lower East Side after riding the train for hours, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, after he exited the subway after shooting 10, dressed like one of the village people, With his orange construction cap, his orange vest, he left the station on 25th Street. He walked all through Park Slope. You think anybody recognized him? Of course not. Like, gee whiz, does this look unusual? No, he looked like an MTA uh, worker or a track worker. He gets back on the train in Park Slope, and he rides the train for the next 10 hours. The next 10 hours in the same garb. But the cops, they don't go on the trains. They don't patrol up and down. They're just on the platforms. He could have been in the corner of a car sitting there for hours with that orange helmet on and that orange vest. They already knew what they were looking for. And thank God for Rudy Giuliani, who on his show that same day of the shooting announced the license plate number that the cops were looking for of a U-Haul van that had been rented uh, by Frank James in Philadelphia. By the way, had a credit card, was staying at an Airbnb. I mean, this guy had some coin. He wasn't a welfare recipient. And by the way, he hadn't been arrested since uh, 2007, never had a felony charge, was able to get a gun legally in Ohio at a pawn shop. We'll get to all of that late, later. But it was Rudy Giuliani on his 3 to 4 o'clock show who read the license plate number from Arizona. And it was one of our WABC listeners who was having a cup of coffee at that time at West 4th in Kings Highway. He's listening to Rudy, and he says to his friend, holy blankety-blank, that's the man that Rudy's talking about. Called the local precinct. They swooped in, so they took control of the van. The only ones to give Rudy Giuliani credit. You didn't hear that from Eric Adams. You didn't hear that from uh, any of the other media outlets other than here at WABC was the old gray lady, the New York Times, said beat the living daylights out of Rudy for a year. They, they tried to drive him right into federal prison. So back to back, belly to belly, think about it. They admitted close to a month ago that, yes, it was the Hunter Biden laptop, the New York Times, and now they had to, and they admitted to their credit that it was Rudy Giuliani vocally giving the license plate number of the wanted U-Haul van of Frank James out on his show, 3 to 4, the day of the shooting. 
that caused the citizen who is a listener of WABC to call the cops and say, I'm standing right in front of the U-Haul van as I'm having my cup of coffee. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Remember, right after the news at 5, there will be no Bernard McGurk. He's looking for Easter eggs today, and uh, his partner, Sid Rosenberg, is all of a sudden celebrating Pesach as he's looking for every last breadcrumb in his house that has to be removed in the dark, I might add, with a wooden spoon, if he's truly observant. And that means uh, we have in our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, great talk show host in his own right, uh, the roundtable discussion at 5, always making news, and his uh, Sunday morning program from 8.30 to 10. And he'll be joined by Lydia Saranai, the Albanian bad girl, will be his partner from 6 to 10, who also co-hosts uh, the roundtable discussion at 5, Monday through Friday. So a uh, little musical chairs here as I'm substituting for Frank Morano. Now, you would think it's because of Good Friday, but let's face it. Frank Morano was born a Catholic, but has renounced his Catholic faith. Claims to be an Episcopalian, which is nothing more than a wannabe Catholic. Is married to Rachel, who was born Jewish, so she'll always be Jewish until the ends of time. But uh, the family chose an evangelical way of worship. And now Frank is claiming he's a Methodist uh, like uh, Bush 43 and Hillary. By the way, if you've ever been to a Methodist or Presbyterian hi- uh, household, the old school Protestant faiths, they are very, um, what can we say, frugal. They give you meager food on their plate, like a thin slice of roast beef, asparagus tips, maybe four of them, maybe four string beans, and that green mold jello, and don't ask for seconds. I believe, I don't have the documentary evidence, but Frank Morano was shilling for Atlantic City and the gaming industry there, always encouraging people to waste their money to get there and then lose their money playing roulette, craps, blackjack, and poker that he did such a good job at dissing uh, the new casinos that can open up in New York City, the new gaming casinos, the Racino and Aqueduct can become a full-scale casino, the casino at Yonkers is a full-scale casino, and there is a place for one more, that by him attacking that, by saying, well, if I leave WABC, I'll lose all my money because I'll be lured into these local casinos, he did an excellent job shilling for Atlantic City, and I think they gave him a three-day pass extravaganza, treating him like a whale, so that he can win a lot of moolah schmoolah. But as you know, most people lose. We'll find out when he gets back uh, after this three-day extravaganza. But let's go, if we can, to the true hero who reported the police. And by the way, the police are claiming that Frank James, who was roaming around the Lower East Side after riding the trains all night, they couldn't spot him there, that he calls in the tip line himself. I don't doubt it. And he probably tells the 911 operator, hey, I'm the guy that they, they, they want, Frank James. I'm right here in Mickey D's on 2nd Avenue. I, I have a happy meal here. Uh, could you have the cops come get me? I will bet you the 911. One one operator say, come on, this is probably a spoof. They probably were getting hundreds of calls. You know, that's what happens when you have uh, public enemy number one. And the nine 
one one operator probably said it's probably someone faking the fact that they're Frank James. I'm sure they got a lot of prank calls. Well, guess what? Frank James then went out and got a second Happy Meal, and he's sitting there eating. And you know what he determined? They didn't come in 20 minutes, so I'm going to get up and leave. I'm going to walk away. So who discovered him? Not the NYPD, Zach, the Syrian immigrant. Syrian immigrant here, five years, speaks five languages. And the guy was so excited, I thought he was going to explode with joy. My name is Zach. I was uh, working inside that store, and I was doing security cameras inside. And I see the guy, he walking from the screen. I see him from the cameras. So I thought, oh, shit, this guy. Let me call the police. And I call him, and we catch him. Let me tell you something. I think we should give uh, Zach and his colleagues the contract to put in surveillance cameras that actually work in the MTA. Listen to what Zach and his partner had to say next once they ID'd public enemy number one, Frank James. I see the police car, police. We tell him this is the guy. About this is the guy. Uh, he did the problem in the Brooklyn. When we saw this guy, we were like between seventy to eighty percent sure. Is it him? Is it not? So we pull up the picture, the Amber Earl uh, on our phones. We saw the picture. So we confirmed it between the three of us. Oh, that's the guy. That's the hundred percent sure. That's him. So we were ready to call the uh, police. We saw the, uh, uh, the the two guys from the police department pulling up on the street so we go and, to them we tell them oh he's he's like one block away he's over there wearing a cap carrying uh, carrying his bag and uh, going over there we went with them and they catch him right away so you had the two syrian immigrants working together along with a filipino francisco puebla listen to what francisco puebla had to say moment it was a, a police car uh, right on the road with uh, with the red light. So we just run, and I told the police officer, listen, police officer, I hope I'm not making a mistake, but I think this is the guy, the one who did the shooting last morning. And you just go ahead, and he's in the middle of the block, you know? But my eyes still see him, like, where he's going, mm-hmm. you know? And after that, police just pull out, and then that's how they get him. Amazing. You know? That was, like, him. just a couple hours ago. So you have these three young men, two Syrians and one Filipino installers of surveillance cameras in delis and bodegas. They spotted him. They brought the police over. They are entitled to the $50,000 reward. I'm hoping that our mayor, Eric Adams, uh, once he's able to get out in public, which will probably be by Saturday or Sunday, that at Monday he has a ceremony at City Hall, honoring all three of these immigrants who spotted Frank James, who ran over to the police car, directed them back and said, here, this is Frank James. This is Frank James right here. That they should be given the keys to the city and they should be given the $50,000 reward so that people can see, yeah, it pays to be a rat. It pays to eat the Parmesan cheese because a lot of people believe snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. And boy, that that Zach guy, he's 21 years old. He was like, he was busting loose. I did it. I got him. He's watching up and down Second Avenue. There was a parade of citizens. Boy, I haven't seen joy like that since they caught the Night Stalker killer. Ramirez in Los Angeles who had killed so many. I know because we Guardian Angels were out there. 
And it was the citizens of East L.A. who spotted him. Except they did what Zach and his two partners didn't do. They dragged him out of a car, beat the living daylights out of him. He was almost dead when the LAPD arrived. All right. Uh, They got a little carried away, a little vigilanteism. But we applauded them there. Night killer, uh, Night Stalker was bad, bad news. He killed so many throughout Northern California and Southern California. But this was before OJ and Colin Ferguson. It's good to see the community be the one that ID the person, grab the person, because then the criminals are not just afraid of the cops. They have to be afraid of the citizens. It's really what it's about. But now let's go uh, to um, the NYPD spokesperson who made it seem like um, Frank James had committed all these horrible crimes. Listen to him. His arrest history in New York is nine prior arrests dating from 1992 to 1998. Those include possession of burglary tools four times, criminal sex act. Theft of service, two times. He was arrested on a New Jersey warrant. He also has a criminal tampering. He has three arrests in New Jersey, 1991, 1992, and 2007. They are for trespass, larceny, and disorderly conduct. So far, we don't think he spent any time in jail or prison, other than the arrest process. He was never found guilty of a felony, he probably copped pleas to misdemeanors, so that when he was in Ohio, he went into a pawn shop, he bought the 9 millimeter gun that he used in the clips, they did a background check on him, no felonies. He hasn't been arrested since 2007. You know how long ago that is? How did he have this money to get an Airbnb in Philadelphia, to rent the U-Haul van? He had not a debit card, He had a credit card. You got to have some credit to get a credit card. Almost anybody could get a debit card. So think about it. He went from Milwaukee in Wisconsin. Obviously, he was paying rent there. He went to Ohio. He went to Philly, Jersey. But he was mostly in New York City. Then they weren't sure if it was an act of terrorism. These YouTube videos are certainly very disturbing, and uh, the uh, NYPD's Intelligence Bureau and folks uh, from the FBI have been poring over them to determine uh, a motive here. Perhaps those videos could lend uh, to some kind of motive. So he wasn't sure, the analysts, whether it was a crime of terrorism, although he was charged with that by the feds uh, of the Eastern District. But then our mayor, Eric Adams, was asked about the horrific rise in crime that had nothing at all to do with Frank James. Fifteen people were shot that same night of the shooting. And then Eric Adams said what he has said many times, and I disagreed with him in the campaign, and I disagree with him now. He claimed it was the result of social injustice. Mr. Mayor, what direction is this city headed in terms of public safety? As you sit here this morning, the morning after a mass shooting. Is it really getting better? We are going to get better. This is going to be a safe city. But let's be clear. We're dealing with uh, historical uh, inequalities, historical abandonments and failures. The story 
Some social injustice and inequality. Really? All these shootings? And then, later on in an interview, he said, I've had it with Black Lives Matter because where are they? These are blacks who are shooting other blacks. All of these shootings that I just mentioned the 15. Well, remember, in the summer of 2020, uh, almost every day, Eric Adams, Brooklyn Borough President, was side-by-side with his political ally, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope to Blasio, painting Black Lives Matter murals all over the city streets, including in front of uh, Trump Tower. So clearly he was supporting Black Lives Matter then. And if you remember, I was fighting Black Lives Matter whenever they would revert to rioting, fighting Antifa, had my jaw broken. But anyway, let's get on to the normal everyday crime situation because earlier today I had a cameo appearance towards the end of the roundtable discussion of John Katsimatidis at 5 in which we were discussing uh, subway crime, the rise, the horrific rise in subway crime. And uh, it was the uh, former GOP state chairman, Ed Cox, who had said he had gone to meetings all day and on two separate occasions he took probably the number six train on the uh, Upper East Side, said he didn't see any cops twice. This is the day after the guy's arrested. And the mayor had promised that he would flood the subway system with cops. He did up until the arrest and then went back to normal. No cops. Let me give you an idea of what some callers to WABC have said, not to my program, other programs here, about the fact when they go into the subways, they just don't see any cops. Rob in Brooklyn, New York. Rob, you're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. What is on your mind this afternoon? Yes. Hi, James. Yes. Uh, I just want to tell you, I took the train like I didn't take the trains for a while because they were so bad. But when Mayor Adams said in February he was putting all these extra cops and removing all the homeless, I decided to go where I'm going. I take three trains there and three back. So I made 10 trips. That's 60 trains I've been on. And I look through all the stations as the train passes the station. I haven't seen one cop with 60 trains. Not even one, not even on J Street and Metro Tech, where I used to see, like last year, like four or five cops, like just standing around. Now, I haven't seen one cop with 60 trains, 10 trips. So where are the cops that he said, these extra cops? And I've also seen homeless people, maybe about 20 out of the 60 cars. I've seen 20 home. 20 homeless people. I think this guy is just like Biden. Like Biden says, I'm going to secure the border. I'm going to lower the gas. Adams is the same exact thing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to clean up the trains. I I think they're both the same, but I think it's a disgrace. Where are the cops on the train? Should I call 311 and make a complaint? I haven't seen one, not even one with 60 trains. since. Now, let me say something to you, Rob. Okay, this goes into something I've been complaining about. On the, on the air here after some of these news stories. Do you remember some of these murders that have taken place? Queens Plaza. Queens Plaza? Queens Plaza is supposed to be one of the safest stations in the city. It is a major hub of commerce and activity. And then you have West 4th Street. They did a cleanup operation before they toured West 4th Street, chased the homeless out of there, and, and ran some hoses in there right before all the big ones came in there. But that was it. And then you look at some of the other major subway stations where there have been these horrible crimes. And so that just buttresses your point. This is all talk. That's all we're getting from this mayor. It's all talk. 
And we're not, he promised. Rob, thank you for the call. There is a reason for that. I'm going to get into it momentarily. But that was Bo Snurdly. You can hear Bo every Monday through Friday before the roundtable discussion with John Katsimatidis and his uh, guests, 4 to 5, and then a really great show Saturday mornings from 7 to 10. But here's another caller, random caller to WABC saying the same thing. Danny, Long Island, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77, you're on with James Golden. What is on your mind, Danny? Playing off what that last caller said, I was a, I was a lieutenant in the police department, and the worst thing the city ever did was to disband the transit police. They were they were focused on the subway. They were highly motivated, and they knew their boundaries. And now you can't. And, and the sight of a cop. I remember being in the eighties, where even if I was just I was a city cop, but if I took the subway down to court and the train opened at Forty Second Street, and I got on, the look of relief on people's face to see a uniformed cop with a stick in his hand was worth was worth. I'll take that look to my grave. That the the look that the good guys are here and everything's going to be okay because it was crazy back then. And now I also understand that uh, our former disgraced governor in fighting with our former disgraced Mayor de Blasio, de Blasio didn't want to guard the turnstiles. So the governor hired MTA uh, state employees to guard the turnstiles, but they won't go on the tracks or the trains, but you can't even find them either. What the hell is going on? It is a disgrace. It is what. Danny, thank you for your call. And you're absolutely, this is a disgrace. It is a disgrace what is happening in New York with this so-called leadership. Wow, you notice how Danny, the former cop, say, what the hell is going on? That's what you typically hear from John Katsimatidis on the roundtable discussion. Tell us what the hell is going on. You'll be listening to John and Lydia as a substitute for Bernard and Sid from 6 to 10. As you can see, we're playing musical chairs because of the Easter holiday and Pesach. Uh, I'm substituting for Frank Morano, who I think is involved in a gambling extravaganza at Atlantic City that he's been shilling for, although we will find out when he comes back uh, Sunday night. Uh, well, actually, Monday morning starting at 1. But in talking with uh, Governor David Patterson, who is my, uh, what do we call him, my uh, husband-in-law. Because as you know, he discovered my wife, Mary, and I said, take my wife, and he did. But there's Governor Patterson and John Casamitidis who were in agreement. It's a bipartisan coalition, and they're absolutely correct. That the only way we can get a handle on this growing subway crime problem is we need more cops. And their solution is that there should be a police officer on every moving train. That means they go up and down the cars as the train goes uh, from last stop to first stop. And that there should be a police officer at every station, not clumped up four or five, not sexting and texting on their cell phones, iPhones, smartphones. Uh, I believe that when they report for duty, the cell phones, iPhones, smartphones should be locked in their locker as if they were lawyers at a prestigious law firm who were going over sensitive materials on the computer. You know, when they do that, they take their their phones, their cell phones, and they lock it up in a locker. And then they get it uh, after uh, they finish their shift. If there are any problems, they have uh, intensity Motorola radios that communicate very well. That's how their communication should be, because they're not paying attention to their job. There's no supervision. And quite frankly, they're just not enough cops. Remember, it was de Blasio and city council that took a billion dollars out of the budget. It has not been put back. 
So how are you supposed to provide the service that is required with a rising crime if you have actually a billion less dollars to run a police department with? Nobody ever seems to want to address this. The mayor has to uh, demand an allocation of a billion dollars to restore the police at the level that they were at. Now, if you remember, after he had won the Democratic primary in the uh, ranked choice voting runoff, he went to Washington, D.C. He was the guest of the president and others uh, from cities that were having crime increases. And the president said, as part of the stimulus bill, he would allow cities to take monies specifically to hire police officers. de Blasio said no twice, and Eric Adams said no once. He should have taken the money and hired the cops in. He hasn't done it, and we're going to continue to have a problem as we have cops flood an area when it's having a problem, only to pull those cops back. Nobody sees the cops in the subways. That's the bottom line. When we come back, though, here with Frank Morano, we're going to run this <clears throat> contest in which uh, any of you are supposed to give uh, 10 answers in one minute and potentially win $1,000. Now, on the scale of uh, <clears throat> being morons or dullards or special ed, uh, you should be able to hit these questions easily. <coughs> easily. If you'd like to participate, the number... 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The special ed questionnaire. One minute to win $1,000 on the other side of midnight tonight with Curtis Sliwa and not Frank Morano. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Sliwa, 77 WABC. Oh, people are breaking out for the Easter vacation. Pesach, Pesach, Passover vacation. A number of folks um, flew out to Florida yesterday and parts all over the country. But uh, you still have an opportunity if you've stayed behind or if you happen to be listening on the app or the stream from uh, Kabul in Afghanistan to New Delhi in India. You can hear it crystal clear on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound. As uh, darkness is still upon us, you can hear it in 38 states, parts of Canada, parts of Europe, and down to the um, Bermuda Triangle between the Bahamas and Bermuda. So out of all of the callers that have called in to try to swindle, I mean win, $1,000 in just one minute with 10 questions is Edward from Montclair. Are you ready, Edward? I am ready, sir. Okay, now uh, these are not brain busters. You know that, Edward. Well, I'll see. I'll see how good my brain is with this stuff. Let me ask you a question. Um, did you graduate high school? Yes. Uh, did you go to college? Yes. What college did you go to? Uh, Rutgers. Oh, Scarlet Knight. Okay. You're not, right. uh, I'd say it's 50-50 on this. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> are you ready, Edward? Okay, you're breaking me up now. Let me All concentrate right. on right. this. Okay. All right. Okay. That's my job to break everybody up, give them belly laughs, and get them energized all four hours. Okay. okay. I have to really concentrate now. So all right. You ready? Do this period. Stare do this at your navel. Stare at your navel. Say yum yo, yum yum yo. 
Meditate. Meditate. Okay. Are we ready? Do we have a ticker here? Let's let's go. Okay. All right. What was the first state of the colonies who rebelled against the Brits? Wow. First state. Uh, I would say Massachusetts. Wow. No. What? Uh, did you get a graduate degree, a master's degree, a PhD at Rutgers in New Brunswick? I was a history major. Yeah. Oh my God. A I'm thinking of the major. Boston Tea Party, you know, Boston uh, Sons of Liberty, Mexican Boston Concord. Tea Party. No, no, no. Look, look. It probably, if you hadn't been a good student, which I happen to feel, you were probably cutting and doing the brewski run, the beer runs. Uh, the first state was the state of Joe Biden. Oh wow! Okay, the state, the state. that was was the actually you phrased the question though. It sounded like. Uh, who was the first state that rebelled against the uh, British? Wow. And, uh, you know, I, you, I, I you might be right. Let, let's continue the contest. Let, let, to, let's I, I, rev like up to the... I this to a higher authority. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm yeah. giving you slack on that. You, and you might well be true because, let's face it, the only reason that Delaware exists is it's a, uh, a tax shelter for corporations. So we'll give you a chance. All right. All right. You ready? Okay. Okay. Who starts first in chess? White. Good. Name the three primary colors. Red, green, blue. Oh, my God. Red, yellow, blue? Uh, yeah, I'll give you that, too. Uh, group of lions are known as what? A pride. Kodiak Island is in which U.S. state? Alaska. What's the hardest rock? Granite. Boy, you know, I gave you slack on, on two of them. I gave you redos, but what do you generally give to a woman or nowadays you got to be politically correct, a man or a transgender or a cisgender, whatever, uh, when you want to propose to them? Well, a that would be the diamond, yes, right? Okay, well, you know what? Okay. We're going to give you a tchotchke, though. Uh, the tchotchkes okay. from my show, uh, uh, which is... Uh, early Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings from 12 midnight to 6 are a lot better than the Frank Morano tchotchkes. But you know what? Because yes. I'm here today, you get the better tchotchkes. Molly, get all of his information. Edward, you are not the pride of the Scarlet Knights in Rutgers. <laughs> but okay. you know something? You deserve more than my belly button lint. That's for sure. Thank you. Oh, no, thank, thank you. No, thank you, Edward, for allowing me <laughs> to make a fool out of you on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's get back on track here. Um, you got to give me the I, – I need a little musical motivation here. I know you, you guys are doing everything you can to get me off my stride, but you know me. I got to energize the crowd. I need uh, a G-thang. You know, I need Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. That's right. That's right. Because we're talking about crime. And we're talking about all the things that can be fixed that are not fixed. 
that have contributed to a criminal atmosphere in the subways of New York City. Remember, there are 472 stations. There are 6,200 subway cars. All of them should have working video cameras. The technology is available. You go up to Jose's bodega. The guy just arrived from the Dominican Republic. He's got a functioning surveillance camera. They've got him in the streets. They've got him in the retail and wholesale establishments, but not down in the bowels of New York City, the subway system. The MTA, the money-taking agency, claims, this is what they claim, ladies and gentlemen, that they have 10,000 cameras at 472 stations. And they're supposed to be regularly checked by the installers. I'd like to know which political donor got the contract for the surveillance cameras because they haven't been checked on. I would rather take homeless people with cell phones and just pay them, you know, uh, a few bucks, uh, a few uh, shekels, a a little bit of coin, and let them just stand there with a cell phone and just keep it FaceTime, FaceTime. Anyway... They have repeatedly not been checked and have malfunctioned over five years. You would have thought that the MTA, which wastes billions of our dollars, the money-taking agency, would have demanded that the contract be null and voided and that they pay a penalty. I'd like to see the contract. In 2018, our controller, DiNapoli, did an audit and found chronic failure to check or do maintenance and 31% of the cameras were never checked out. That's 2018. It's only gotten worse. More than 25% of calls for repair took over three days for response. And in many instances, nothing was done when the, uh, when the actual uh, persons responded and tried to fix the malfunctioning cameras. That's why I think, could I hear a little Zach again? That's why I think Zach... And his crew, the two Syrian immigrants, and Francisco Puebla, the Filipino who installed surveillance cameras for a living, should be given the contract. My name is Zach. I was uh, working inside the store and I was doing security cameras inside. And I see the guy, he walking from the screen. I see him from the cameras. So I thought, oh, shit, this guy. Let me call the police. And I call him and we catch him. He saw him over his surveillance camera. It works. Wait. Let's play Zach and his fellow Syrian immigrant. Now, Zach speaks five languages. He came from Syria. I bet you he was probably in Aleppo when Putin was bombing it to smithereens and came over as a refugee. We need to find out more information about the hero, Zach, and his partners, the other Syrian and the Filipino. I see the police car, police. We tell him this is the guy. About this is the guy. Uh, he did the problem in the Brooklyn. When we saw this guy, we were like between seventy to eighty percent sure. Is it him? Is it not? So we pull up the picture, the Amber Alert uh, on our phones. We saw the picture. So we confirmed it between the three of us. Oh, that's the guy. That's the hundred percent sure. That's him. So we were ready to call the uh, police. We saw the, uh, uh, the the two guys from the police department pulling up on the street so we go uh, to them we tell them oh he's he's like one block away he's over there wearing a cap carrying uh, carrying his bag and uh, going over there we went with them and they catch him right away and zach was so excitable 21 year old kid he's running up and down second avenue we got him we got him and the people now remember 
They're not law and order people on the Lower East Side. I mean, we're talking DSA, Democrat Socialists of America. These are, they tend to be very liberal. I used to live right there, opposite Tompkins Square Park, where all the homeless and the anarchists have been. So imagine when you get liberals and progressives high-fiving, in this case, the uh, two Syrians, Zach and his pals, his fellow worker, and remember... The Filipino guy, that's saying a lot because the DSA has come out with a manifesto now based on the additional police that uh, Eric Adams flooded into the system after Frank James uh, was on the lam after shooting uh, 10 New Yorkers on that end train at 36th Street on 830 in the morning two days ago. They have issued their DSA uh, defund the NYPD manifesto. They said cops enforce white supremacy. They want to cut the New York Police Department budget and police department by 50%. This is the edict of AOC, all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democratic Socialists of America, and the Justice Warriors. And that includes Jumani Williams, who's the public advocate. That's why hopefully nothing happens to Eric Adams, because we end up with uh, Jumani Williams. He's running for lieutenant governor. Go ahead and knock yourself out, Jumani. And the worst guy, even worse than Jumani, is the controller of the city of New York from Brooklyn, Brad Lander. They both believe that we should cut the NYPD budget and the police department by 50%. They want to end all attempts at stop and frisk. They want to close Rikers, and they want no new jails. Quote, free them all. So if you commit a crime, come to New York City. If it's up to the DSA, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all out crazy. You Even if you commit a crime, you're not going to do any time. This is nuts. And just think, the number two and three person in the city administration, Jumani Williams, believes this. Controller Brad Lander believes this. And yet Jumani Williams lives in the safest, most protected place in all of New York City. On the active military base of Fort Hamilton, it's got an active army garrison. He lives there. In order for him to go onto the base, he must show his ID each and every time he goes onto the base. Military police, even though they know who he is, uh, he has armed police officers with him 24-7-365, even though he hates the police. He's driven around in an SUV by a police officer that we pay for. And yet he wants to defund the police by 50% more. How about withdrawing from him and Brad Lander any of the armed security of the NYPD that they want to eliminate 50% more of the already meager budget that had a billion dollars taken out by Bill de Blasio and the city council in the summer of 2020? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Before we go to the phones... Let me make mention that above ground, what the cops must begin to do again, especially in neighborhoods uh, that are uh, plagued with uh, gang crime, of which there are many in our city, they must uh, immediately put back into place stop and frisk. It's the only way they're going to get a control on these illegal guns that are everywhere in the streets and being used on a regular basis. And they have to once again do traffic stops and checks Because for the first time in my memory here, 
I'm uh, 68 years old. We've never had drive-by shootings here before. That was unique to Los Angeles, to Bloods and Crips. That was actually created by a former New Yorker who fled Taffy Place in Brooklyn, uh, who was called Scarface, Al Capone. He couldn't make it as a gangster here. So he went to Chicago and became the head of all of organized crime and created the drive-by shooting in the Depression. We've never had drive-by shootings here. The reason we have so many drive-by shootings now in all of the boroughs is that there are no traffic stops any longer being done by the NYPD. And so young hoodlums know they can be strapped with guns, they can do drive-by shootings, and there's no danger of the police preemptively stopping them for various traffic violations. You know, headlight not functioning, uh, checking for the license to registration, all of those things that oftentimes in the past you'd end up getting uh, somebody with guns and getting those guns off the street and locking these folks up. 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Dean in Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here on the other side of midnight. This morning with Curtis Lee was substituting for Frank Morano, Dean. Curtis, good morning. I have a couple items to talk to you about. Just give me two minutes. The first item is you've been disrespected again. In last week's New York Post, they had an ad for all your associates, the time and channel and a picture of everybody's face except yours. Do you know anything about that? Yes, yes, because uh, even though they did have everybody's uh, face and their time, I had a special page that was uh, put into the paper by John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis, owners and operators of our parent company, um, Red Apple Media, in which you had half a page for Frank Morano and half a page for me. Uh, on Frank Morano's side, it said the other side of midnight, and it gave his times one to five Monday through Fridays. And then on the other side of the page, full page for me, was the other, other side of midnight, which I actually uh, like better than the another uh, side of midnight. And it gave my times, uh, which is really uh, Saturday mornings from 12 midnight to 6, and then Sunday mornings from 12 midnight to 6. So, no, I was actually given a bigger spread than a lot of my colleagues seen. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. So the second thing is, your boy Frank, he wants to be so elegant and proper on the on his show that he calls France, France. What's <laughs> up with that, Daddy-O? Let me tell you something, Dean. He's an untouchable. You may not understand this. There is a, a magazine, the Bible of talk radio. It's called Talkers Magazine. Michael Harrison. I actually did an interview with him on the day of the shooting. I was being asked to do interviews all over the world because I'm associated with the subways. So I'm saying, Mike, Mike, you got the heavy hundred coming out. He said, oh, yeah, you got to check it. It's coming out tomorrow. I said, Mike, you know, I've always been in the heavy hundred. Don't worry about it. Check it out. I'm looking at the list today. Look, there's Frank Morano. He's like the music man. You know, the musical on Broadway, they might as well have a parade with 76 trombones. He's like all the way up there, and then he's followed by Joe Piscopo. And I'm looking for my name, Dean. Mangadud, Bupkis, Ugats. I'm not even on the list anymore. He bumped you, Daddy-O. He put you off. He bumped you out. 
You're not even number 199. You're not 99. No, no, no. But, but all the others here at WABC are on it, too. It's the first time I've never made it. So it shows you our lineup is doing so well. The uh, ratings are sky, uh, skyrocketing. Uh, to be honest with you, when I left in March of uh, 2021 to run for mayor with the blessings uh, of our owners and operators, uh, the ratings have actually skyrocketed. A lot of people have said to me, Dean, you know, maybe it's because you not being there from. It t- is. I, listen, I never listened to your show. I never listened to the radio. I'm a postal employee, uh, retired, worked for 37 years, retired 12 years. Got nothing to do with the day t- daytime. I'm up all day. Nighttime, I have nothing to do. So I go and I put on and I say, oh, look at this. Curtis Sliwa. Excellent. You're a funny guy. Very knowledgeable. I love to listen to you. The other guy puts me to sleep. No, no, no. That's uh, you see, because you really you got to approach this. You got to be like Red Bull. I've always said that my goal is if you start listening to me from the start, I got to keep ratcheting up the energy. So you listen, listen. Now, let me tell you something about Frank Morano. Not only is he uh, highly rated in Talkers Magazine and Michael Harrison, even ahead of uh, Joe Piscopo. Me, I'm not even listed. I'm a person of no consequence. But I understand that the most important award, the Marconi Award, Frank Morano may be nominated in the category of best interviews. And there's no doubt about it. His interviews with Roger Stone followed uh, with Paul Manafort, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, went viral, went all over the world. And I was proud to see our manager, management and ownership stand by Frank when all of a sudden YouTube took us off their channel because of the Roger Stone uh, interview unfairly. But, you know, I've seen colleagues uh, in our business get whacked before for things like that. And yet they supported Frank Morano 100 percent. He may well have been uh, nominated uh, for a Marconi Award for best interview. Now. I was nominated a long time ago. It's a nice little story I can tell you now because this is the most prestigious of all awards. It was 2003. I was doing mornings at the time with Ron Cooey, whose mommy is a coming. WABC was sweeping that year. Station of the year. Uh, national personality, Sean Hannity, the rock-ribbed all-American conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island, who was on WABC at the time. And we were nominated for Best Local Show. And the final process was Ron Owens of KGO Boring in San Francisco and Curtis and Kubi at WABC in the mornings. And everybody said, slam dunk, it's a WABC year. You win in all the awards, right? It's like in the Academy Awards. And then all of a sudden, some of the judges said, well, we've listened to some of the shows. And apparently Mr. Sliwa has made the argument that Tesla, the Serbian, and not Marconi invented the radio. Oh, boy. As a result, we lost the award. All the suits that were there from our parent company at the time, Disney, they vacated. You know, before that, we were like God's gift to the world. We lose, lose, lose. Oh, my God. You, you actually said that on the air? You said that Tesla, the Serbian, invented radio and not Marconi? I said, yes, I did, because it's true. Oh, my God, we lost the most prestigious award because of you. I was persona non grata after that. 
Now look at Tesla, right? Yeah, they don't say that about him now, right? With Elon Musk, hey, $40 billion, and I'll buy Twitter. Back then, they made fun of me. They said, hey, by the way, we brought you guys out in a stretch limo. Why don't you find your way back on New Jersey Transit? Oh, were they upset with me. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And wait, before the top of the hour in news, I bet you our news people don't have this story. This, if you are hope, if you are fading and possibly closing your eyes, don't. This has got to be the story of the year. Hold your horses. Let's go to Jack first in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here. Yours truly, Curtis Lee, was substituting for the other side at midnight as Frank Morano is away shooting craps in Atlantic City. Curtis, I might have my cases mixed up, but didn't the uh, Ferguson case result in uh, the wife of one of the victims running for Congress? And I think she's still there. And if so, what was her positions on all of this crime and bail and everything back then as opposed to now? Oh, you know, speaking of uh, the woman who was the congresswoman from Long Island whose husband uh, was killed by Colin Ferguson, the Long Island Railroad uh, gunman. No, she was uh, actually uh, uh, pro-gun control. She was opposed uh, to uh, the sale of any weapons whatsoever. And I think she eventually retired. I think she may have come down with cancer. I I don't quite remember every point, but she was strongly pro-gun control. Here is the story of the day. And I'll bet you that uh, Crackerjack, WABC, 5 o'clock news team, that has all the news that you need to know, might not have gotten this story. So we go to Clinton State Prison in New Jersey. It's an all-female facility made infamous by the escape of Asada Shakur, a.k.a. Joanne Chesimard, who shot and killed the uh, New Jersey trooper as the leader of the Black Liberation Army. Uh, She uh, was hustled off uh, to Pittsburgh, then made her way to Mexico City and flew to Cuba, where she has been given sanctuary behind the sugarcane curtain of Fidel and Raul Castro. She is a celebrity in Cuba. In fact, she's public enemy number one here. When Donald Trump was president, he said, we'll do anything. We need to get her back and incarcerate her. She was sprung from jail. They now have 800 women. They call them cisgender women. These are women who anatomically have female parts. And they have 27 transgender prisoners. The New York, uh, the New Jersey Correctional Department was sued by the American Civil Liberties Union and won in court so that a man can say that they are transgendered without any reassignment surgery whatsoever or taking estrogen shots to replace their testosterone. So they now have 27 transgender prisoners. They've had two female inmates who have said that they are now pregnant as a result of sex with two transgenders, who are really men because anatomically they have the men's equipment. Now, can you imagine you're a guy and you've been given time in Trenton State or Rahway? I mean, these are tough. You know what? Imagine you all of a sudden decide, I I identify as a woman. I'm a transgender because I don't want to be locked up with a thousand guys, killers, marauders, and be their Maytag. 
So just because you claim you identify now as a female, they have to house you with females in an all-female prison. Can you imagine? That's like you hit the lottery. That's like you hit Powerball. You claim you're a female, even though anatomically you're a male. You get switched from a male prison to an all-female prison, and you end up having sex with the female prisoners. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 